KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here on a Saturday morning. And uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Does that sound uh, at all sincere? Maybe, more than most of the time. All right. This is Handel on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. Now, uh, virtually every municipality has a leech, uh, a leash law. That makes sense. You, know, you don't want your dogs running around and eating people and just getting in the way, running out on the streets, et cetera. So, uh, and if you're caught without a leash, you're in violation of the law. Well, South Dakota also has a leash law. And Jerry Kimball ha- was in violation of the leash law and got a ticket for $190 because he failed to put a leash on his pet boa constrictor, Lucy, when he took her to the park. I mean, as he uh, told, obviously this became a rather enormous story. So the local newspaper, the Argus Leader, interviewed him. And he said, quote, he, and he's talking about the uh, animal control guy, was literally asking me to put a rope around my snake. I was like, dude, no. I was dumbfounded. So the animal control supervisor told the pic, uh, told the paper the ticket was appropriate. Why? Because snakes fall under the same restrictions as cats and dogs. Now, I don't know how you put a leash on a snake. Well, I know how you put it around its neck, but it's, uh, who the hell knows? Uh, unintended consequences. You think they would even either say it is limited to four Four animal, four-legged animals. Although, what do you do with your pet chicken? I don't know. What do you do with your pet snake? I don't know. Uh, what do you do with your three-legged dog who lost a leg in an accident? I don't know. Would that be exempt? All right, let's take some phone calls. Hi, Sherry. Hello. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Well, I have a friend whose son is all is married, but all but uh, divorced. He's fairly separated. Anyway, he wants to donate sperm to someone. Okay. And I and we wanted to know if he can do that or his wife can legally stop him. No, no, his wife can't stop him. And they could have been married for forty six years and his wife can't stop him. I mean Okay, so nothing legally she can do. Nothing legally she can do. If he wants to donate sperm, uh, go ahead, God bless him. Now is he talking about someone he knows? Yes. Make sure that he does it through a doctor's office. Okay. Or else he's dad. He's not a sperm donator. Um, that might not be a problem. Uh, that might want to be in the future. Yeah, that he wants to be a dad. Yeah. Well, uh, here it is. If he wants to be a father now, uh, then he can do whatever he wants. He can do it through the auspice of a... Why doesn't he... Is there sex involved? Is he, is he stay, still able to uh, function sexually? Oh, yeah. And she's able to function sexually? Yes. Why don't they just screw? Well, it's it's mainly a thing of, of wanting to know if the wife had a say in this. She has no say. Okay. No say whatsoever. I mean, he can be married to her and have a child with someone else and have a full relationship. She cannot, st- the wife cannot stop him from doing anything. Okay. All right? Sounds good. Thank you okay. so much. Yeah, you can always stop. You got to be careful with the word sperm donor. When you use the word sperm donor, it's very specific. And the reason that uh, you either want to be a donor or a dad, and if you if someone wants to be a donor, 
then it has to be through a doctor. There has to be a contractual relationship that has to be in writing. And therefore, the donor really is a donor. In other words, having no liabilities whatsoever, cannot call himself dad, and having no ability to come in and say, this is my child. Can't sue for custody, can't be sued for support, and can't come back in and say, this is my kid. That's a donor. Everything other than that, they tend to call them dads. Dads can be sued for child support and are all day long. Dads can also come in and say, I'm dad, and I want joint custody of this kid, whether or not we get along. So you have to be very, very careful between uh, donors and uh, those that are fathers. Now, in the world of donors, I have to, to tell you, uh, it's it, most men are potential donors and have been their entire lives. It's a question of practice to get there to produce uh, the sperm specimen. So most, by the time you're asked to be a sperm donor, you pretty well know what to do. You don't need a lot of instruction in that regard. Hello, Matthew. Hey, good morning, Handel. How yeah, are you? I'm good. What can I do for you, Matthew? So I have less than $20,000 in debt. I want to file bankruptcy, and I keep getting, oh, we can do it for you for 2000 Oh, we can do it for you for 1500 I just need to know whether I should do it myself and pay uh, a paralegal a few yeah, hundred dollars. Yeah, I or... would. I'd do it. Yeah, if you're talking $20,000, it's a simple bankruptcy. And uh, if uh, I'm assuming that there is, do you own property? No, I do not. Okay. Well, it's a vehicle, that's it. Yeah, but... you're, then just, you can go on. You can actually do it through the internet. But you can, uh, yeah, a paralegal is fine. I, I wouldn't hire a lawyer to do that. Awesome. Thank All you. Right. I appreciate it. Yep. Now, you're going to screw it up, of course, Matthew. And uh, you're going to bounce it back. And you're going to need to hire a lawyer to undo what you have done, and it's going to cost you twice as much. But, hey, what the hell? All I tell you is I wouldn't do that. But then I like paying lawyers because I just happen to feel that way. Uh, hello, Donnie. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Now, Don, Donnie, hold on a minute. I'm looking at the screen, and I notice that there may be some questionable language here. So I'm asking you to yeah. be, be a little careful for the radio, please. You got it. Okay. Uh, so we have, I called 311 one day because we have a city problem and stuff like that. And they come out, they don't do their job right, and they leave. They just, they, they do whatever, and then they leave. Then another city official comes out, like an inspector uh, from the neighboring city, and said, hey, where are these guys at? You know, they're supposed to be on top of it, whatever. They end up coming out and doing the job right. After they did the job right, then I go and try to get get the report because, you know, I got a lot of damages, obviously, to my stuff, right? So when I go to get the report, the city manager goes and says, you know, I, you got to leave. I'm going to call the police. You know, I go, look, I just want the report of what you guys did. And then he goes and he throws all these profanities at me. And, you know, kind of discriminating me, kind of... Well, wait, wait, discriminating you in what way? Other than uh, he was rotten to you. Yeah, he was rotten to me. You know, nobody ever talked to me like no, that. No, I get I it, but that, that's not discrimination. That's him just being a rotten guy. So did you, yeah. ever, did you ever get the report, Donnie? Never got the report. Are you entitled to the report? Uh, he wouldn't tell me. Uh, you get to find out because the guy is just an ass. Uh, that's what you have. You went to the department. You went to a municipal department where the guy is just a jerk beyond jerks. 
And so, number one, yep. you get to find out if uh, you're entitled to the report. You may not be, for all I know. Uh, but if you are, you have to go to different uh, a different way. But what is your question? Be, you want to uh, find out if you have any recourse as to what he called you? Sure. No, he can call you that all day long. He can get fired for it, but uh, you're not, you can't sue him for that. Can't sue him for no, that. No, of course not. What, you're going to sue someone every time they call you a name, even if they're in official capacity? Donnie, just don't, you don't sue people because someone uses horrible language to you. Mm. Yeah, and no, it doesn't work that way. And it may be true. Maybe you are, whatever he called you. Oh, yes. Patricia, hello, Patricia. Hey, okay, so I recorded a phone conversation, uh, and I want to use it in a court case. Can't do it. When without, I, can't do it without their permission. Well, they asked if they could record the phone conversation for quality control in the beginning of the call. All right. An automatic recording. Then you said, and you said yes to that. Well, yeah, I continued on the phone call. Okay, and now you're saying you want to use that conversation. Yes. Okay. Because they already, I mean, the expectation of privacy, there was none because they, they already told me the phone call was being recorded. Right, so and you and you agree to that. Well. So uh, I guess you yeah. that they recorded it, and okay, you want to use that? Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, the argument they're going to say is, gee, we allowed it, but you didn't. But okay, uh, once it's out there, it is out there. So what's your question? Uh, if I could use it, because the Department of Managed Healthcare told me that I couldn't. It was just yeah, uh, I think, an attorney there. So Yeah, well, the attorney's going to tell you, but here's the problem. Because you allowed them to record it doesn't necessarily mean that they allowed you to record. It has to be double consent. And I think that's where the attorney is going. Oh, okay, okay. So what when they say, saying? here's what happens. When someone says, uh, gee, we're recording this for quality assurance, and it's a human being that says that, uh, Here's what I would say, and I'm going to suggest you do this again. Number one, uh, this has nothing to do with quality control. You're recording this because when I sue your ass off, uh, you can at least uh, say that I didn't say what, I, what I'm about to say. So it has nothing to do with quality assurance. Uh, second of all is I'm recording you for quality assurance. Now let's go on. And if they continue on, it's been a double uh, it's been a double uh, agreement that you're going to be able to record. So I think uh, I mean, they have a point. What is it that they that they said that you want to nail them on? Uh, it's just a bad faith claim with the IPA. So I was trying to submit it to the Department of Managed Healthcare just to help expedite their case. But I'm going to be suing uh, our health insurance company. Oh, no, man. Yeah. You have a lawyer on that? Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, we've been kind of searching around. I haven't signed a retainer yet with anybody, but but there uh, and lawyers yeah, are so, and, and lawyers are willing to take it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a there's damages. So okay, so there's and, and they're not it. and they're doing this on they're doing this on contingency and not wanting to write a not wanting you to write a check. That's correct. Oh, good. Okay, then you probably have a good. Yeah, so call you know call your choose a lawyer. And uh, find out, you know, don't take my word for it. This is why you want someone who actually does this. My understanding is, uh, I think the lawyer on the other side was right. Uh, you, uh, They did not give you permission to record their side of it. Hello, Jesse. Yes. Yes, go ahead. I've had a DNR on file for years, and a couple of years ago I had a surgery, and I stopped breathing, had an apnea episode. And they had to start me breathing again. And before the surgery, they even confirmed that I had the DNR on file. 
and yet restarted me. I was wondering if that's the case. You want to you want to sue them for keeping you alive? Yes. And what are your damages because you're alive and not dead? Well, I'm really I, I'm in severe pain all the time. I'm tired of it. Yeah, I know. I understand. Why don't you kill yourself? And then and then your problem and then your problems are all over. Because I don't believe in that. But who? I, wait a second. I, who doesn't believe? Feel, who, who doesn't believe I, in that? I feel like I missed my bus bill. My time came and yeah. they, they took it away from me. Uh, you know what? I Yeah, I can understand that. I don't think that's going to go very far because your argument is going to be, it's a very interesting argument. Your argument is going to be, I'd rather be dead than alive. And therefore, my damages are that I'm alive and not dead. Uh, that's a tough one to bring to the courts for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, it's a public policy issue where the courts are not going to get into uh, literally looking at, okay, alive, dead, dead, alive. Are you better off dead than you are alive? Uh, that's a real tough one to argue. It's almost metaphysical, so I don't think the courts are going to uh, deal with that. So, I mean, the easiest way is to just go get a, a whole bunch of sleeping pills and just swallow up and you're done. Well, spiritually, I don't believe in that, but I believe that my time came and they took it away from me. Yeah, well, no, I get that. Okay. Uh, now, are you going to get a judge to buy that? I w not me. If I'm on a jury, I just think you're nuts, Jesse. Eh, if you, if you, yeah, if you want to go, do it. I'm not going to get in your way. Whatever you do, just don't jump off a bridge uh, and uh, make sure that uh, you do it in front of me. So, number one, I don't care if you do it in front of me. I'm fine with that. But the traffic issue, I don't want to sit there. Wow, the coroner's scraping you up off the pavement. I've had that happen before. I was on a train down to San Diego, and somebody decided they were going to do themselves in, so they got in front of the train. Boom! Four hours on that damn track. I'll tell you, if the guy hadn't killed himself, I would have gone out and killed him just for keeping me waiting on that train for four hours. God, I'll never forget that. That was horrible. Queenie. Yes. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you, Queenie? I'm sorry, Mr. Handel. I just seem to be hitting the wall, and I keep calling and periodically calling you and bothering you. Yeah, you I do. was in a full federal courtroom situation where the real uh, federal judge who's um, asked for big favors was uh, a couple of inches behind his chamber door, but about eight or ten inches was open. He, I did see him. He saw me. And he, um, U.S. Marshal was in between. And then on the right side of me, uh, of the bench, in that federal courtroom downtown L.A., 1994 or so, uh, is the traffic court judge I had butted heads with. And I had said something to him and people who were also waiting to plead, uh, you know, traffic school, they went, ooh, like that when I said it. And I didn't think I had said anything. Okay, personal. Queenie, I'm a little confused. Federal court is not traffic court, so why were you in federal court? I was told because I had been making a pest of myself running from attorney to attorney. Yeah, so you went to federal court. Then I uh, was called by U.S. Marshal and other people, come in and we're going to resolve this. I said, can I bring... The U.S. Marshal called you up and asked you to go into federal court to resolve an issue about a traffic ticket no. that you, I'm, what am I, where am I confused here, Queenie? No, it's a federal a, a traffic court judge, uh, abuse of power, federal court judge, abuse of power. All right, so how did you get into federal court? 
uh, I was called, told to come in, and that they were. Doesn't not- work that Queenie. Doesn't work that way. You have to actually file papers. No, no one- I said, do I need an attorney? When I I was on the phone, they said, come on in. We'll decide if you need an attorney or not. Uh, and right. then I said, uh, Queenie, 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 how's your medication doing, sweetheart? Uh, sir, you're doing the same thing what they did to me. Yeah, I know. Can I tell you who my workers were, coworkers? No. Matter of fact, I didn't even hang up on her. I think uh, our screener did, or we just lost her. Yeah. I remember I was in traffic court, and I took it to federal court. I wanted to originally take uh, it to the Supreme Court of the United States, and they almost took it. They almost took my traffic ticket. It was really close. All right, Tim. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Yes, I have a quick question for you. Um, I just had $7,000 worth of uh, uh, plumbing costs to redo my sewer line because my neighbor's roots grew into them. Uh, do I have a case against them? Absolutely. You know Absolutely. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's their roots that went into your sewer line? That's correct. And if you can prove that, right? I mean, that's not that hard to prove. You bet. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's your yeah. lawsuit. Yeah, Absolutely. You go. Okay, you, um, oh yeah, it's done. You, it's 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 a classic case. Your neighbor caused you damage for what your neighbor did. Okay. Yeah. No, you're fine. You're good. That's a classic small claims case. All you have to do is prove it now. You know, photos and the plumber and all of that. Hi, Mark. Hi, Bill. Yes, sir. Okay, married couple. Uh, husband has a credit card and uh, and his own checking account. The wife is not a signature on either one, and the wife somehow gets a check off the credit card and, and draws, forges the name and draws cash off the credit card and out of the checking account and forges the name. Is the husband responsible? Well, are, are they still married at that point? Well, yeah, at that point. Yeah, were, then it's but- tough. If they're still married at that point, yeah, it gets tough. Probably. Oh, man. Probably. What I- I'll tell you why, because uh, the wife's going to say, hey, I had permission to do it. No, but she and, forged. She forged. No, I get it, but she's going. But he's going to say it's a forgery, and uh, so even she's going to say, "Hey, I signed his name. I gave him permission to sign my name." That's what she's and going she's to say. And here's the problem: the, the it's the credit card companies. You think they're going to write it off if they don't have to? Right. So but, of course but, they're not going to. They're going to argue that it, they were married. Uh, he says, "Well, I didn't know." Uh, she. First of all, they're going to argue forgery. Or they're going to say, come on, that's not forgery. Second of all, they may say, okay, she signed it. But so what? I give my wife permission to sign my name when I'm not around. No, but uh, she she is not. Uh, she was not a signature on the on I understand. No, I get it. But you have, they're going to argue, but you had permission to sign my name. I think they're, that's what they're going to argue, Mark. Who is, is this you? No, I'm calling for my brother-in-law. Okay, you're, how much money is uh, the uh, the wife, who I'm assuming is going to be an ex-wife pretty soon, ripped off? Well, she's severely ex because she's no longer living, too. And um, it's it's over 10000 Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's what you get for marrying the wrong person. That's uh, true. Yeah, that's it. I mean, just it's your choice. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would argue if it's only $10,000 to find out you marry the wrong person, that's actually a bargain. Because... Uh, you know, if I ever find out that I married the wrong person and I look at what Marjorie has actually cost me over the years, I'll kill myself. I mean, she has to be the right person under any circumstances because I can't even begin to deal with how much money she has cost me if it turns out she's the wrong person. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Hi, John. 
Yes. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Yes. My question is, uh, when a city ha- hires a contractor to do, like, road service, uh, surfacing work, and that surfacing work causes damage to a vehicle, can they exempt themselves from the damage because they hired a contractor? Um, well, uh, they can never exempt themselves from damage anyway because uh, the city, I mean, theoretically it could, legally they could, but they don't. So they are negligent for what they do. And But you can go probably right after the private company. It's far easier who did the work. What did they do that caused you damage? Well, they resurfaced the road in a residential area without notice that the road would be uh, completely blocked off. And when we pulled out to go to work, we were directed by the road servicing people to follow their direction to get out. And in so doing, I picked up... Uh, tar on my tires which caused got gravel and the gravel caused damage to the fenders as well as the car itself all right well uh yeah now, now have you gone to a a service a mechanic and were able to connect all of that together yes and i've gotten uh sure put, uh, put in a claim you want to put in a claim with the city as long as the answer is yes put in a claim for the city put in a claim to the service uh people the road service crew that company and uh, you're going to talk to their insurance company. They're going to tell you to go to hell. And you sue, uh, probably I'd sue them in small claims court. I would just go after them and not so much the city, except if it was a city employee that made you go in a different direction. Then you have to bring the city in. But that becomes a, a huge mess in and of itself. So I would go, it was, so let me ask, it was the, uh, the road service company that put the tar down, correct? Correct. And uh, there were... Uh, there wasn't a warning or a sign that said do not enter or any of that? No, there wasn't. In fact, we were physically being directed by workers on the road. And was it uh, city workers or their workers? Well, their workers. Yeah, then I'd go after them. I'd go after them. And how much damage uh, are we talking about here? It was $3,000 in damage. Uh, And my question basically aroused because the city sent me a letter saying that they contractually work with the contractor and therefore exempt themselves from any damage no, the contractor they can, does. I mean, they can try themselves. They could, but you don't want to go through the city anyway. If you can get through the contractor, that's a small claims case, and you go immediately on there. Yeah, that's what I've done. Yeah, I've filed that's what, I, that's what you want to do. I think you handle it correctly. Absolutely. Uh, hello, Haley. Hi. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Um, well, I have a question of what type of lawyer would be the best for me and what kind of, what should I go for? Um, I was married for approximately uh, 12 years. I divorced. My ex-husband got remarried, had two children with a new wife, and um, stopped paying me child support uh, roughly uh, six and six years after our divorce. Why are we? Wait, wait, why? So, how long has it been since he has paid you the last child support payment? How many months? How many years ago? It's been about seven years. And you wait seven years, and you have not yet gone after him. I have, but there, there's a twist. He uh, he divorced the second wife, put all of the assets in her name, put all of the debt in his name. He he owed other people money besides me. Um. And he has recently passed away, and um, since they were divorced, my son is next of kin and got all of his personal belongings, which included, and I and I suspected that they were just 
divorced on paper um, to. All right, but but, in, but as people. of right now, he has no estate, correct? Other than those personal belongings. Correct. All right, so where what kind of lawyer do you need? Going after whom? Going after his second ex-wife. And when? And when was? The, and when were? When was? Uh, or were the assets transferred to her? Um, when they divorced. Which is how many years ago? Uh, probably uh, six years ago. Yeah, I don't think you have much to go on, Haley. The statute of limitations well, is long gone. I mean, you can well, try. Even though, even though she's, uh, she told my son and Shelf had told the funeral director, and he was wearing a wedding ring and had all of her credit cards in his wallet. He also got his cell phone with the. You can argue, but you're going to have to make an attack on the estate. You're going to have to make an attack at least onto her assets and then argue mm-hmm. fraudulent conveyance. And it is, it's a tough way to go. And how much money do you think is there that she's holding on to? that your husband brought to her? Um, I, you know, I have no idea. I just know how much he owes me. He owes me well over 100000 Yeah, no, I, I understand. But if there isn't money, if there isn't money there, I mean, this is a triple-laden lawsuit because... Right, well, she, she told the uh, funeral director that they paid off their house. All right, she, fine. That, but uh, So what? I mean, yeah. what, whatever she told the funeral director, uh, she's number one going to deny it. It's also... I uh, going to be hearsay anyway. So uh, here, you need a family law attorney, but it's going to be a tough one for you, Haley, because you're not going after anybody who's making any money. You're going after someone, or you're going after someone who received assets six years ago, mm-hmm. and you then you have to unravel the purchase of a house, and it's it's a very very big deal. But the kind of attorney you go to is a family law attorney, and uh, they'll all give you a, a free consultation, at least the ones on our website. So you can go to handleonthelaw.com, just say you talk to me, and sit down and just have a conversation. But I don't think it's going to go very far, my opinion. But I don't Yeah, do- what, what about criminal charges? No, that she, won't happen. That won't happen. She admits that it was all— Doesn't matter. It won't happen. First of all, she'll deny it. Uh, no. Second of all, it won't happen. They're going to go—and they're not going to go after her criminally. It's a civil issue. Okay. Yeah. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice, or I tell you, you have no case. Oh, is there a case out of uh, Central Florida? There are a group of parents who are planning to sue over a state statute that allows test scores to decide whether third graders can advance to the next grade. And what they're protesting is the third grade retention statute. And some parents of, quote, exceptional kids say retention will harm their kids. And I'm not talking about exceptional kids that are two or three grades above everyone else. We're talking about kids that are slower, that have uh, some kind of disability. One of the moms says that these test scores measure her son's disability, not ability. I don't quite understand how that works. I really don't. How do you measure someone's ability and not include a disability? It just seems to be sort of the same coin, just two sides. Now, her son has a language impairment and autism issue And at school, he is part of a program called the Exceptional Student Education Program. And now he's being held back uh, because he couldn't pass the English Language Arts Florida Standard Assessment. And she's saying, uh, you know what? That's illegal. You can't do that. And my question is, what else do you do? He's already part of a special program. And now she is saying you can't hold him back because he can't pass the test unless... 
the argument is he never is mainstreamed. And then they have a separate program dealing with separate tests. And that runs, uh, I guess, parallel to the program. But is there any line that's drawn? So if you have two or three levels of, quote, exceptionalism, do you have two or three programs? And do you uh, do you graduate a kid into the next grade no matter what the disability is? So here's what I want to ask uh, to Gigi Gallahan, who is uh, that mother who has uh, the child, uh, third grade kid, uh, Gavin. Give me an answer. Okay. Uh, no, I get it. And it seems inherently unfair. And I know Gavin, uh, if you look at the test, he's being held back. Tell me what you would do to fix it. Because you re- if, if it's a problem, it has to be fixed. You can't just say it's a problem and then walk away from it. That's a heartbreaker. It really is. Now, my kids, uh, they do homework like they're impaired. Yeah, I don't even want to go into that. All right, now let's take some phone calls. Aaron. Yes, Aaron. Your turn. Yes. Uh, So uh, I moved into this place, and I signed an agreement that I was moving in as is. And uh, I did. Now, the manager agreed that anything that needed to be taken care of, it would be taken off the rent. I got some plumbing work done. And he told me that it wouldn't be taken off the rent. He didn't believe me. Yeah, Aaron. And go ahead. Yes, sir? No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I cut you off, which I always do. Okay. So uh, so I'm moving out now, and uh, I called the city inspector. And I wanted to know, uh, can he sue me because I called the city inspector? No, no, I, absolutely uh, not. No, no, absolutely not. He can't sue you, but... Okay. I, what I do want to ask you where I was going is when plumbing, when you had, we needed some plumbing done, what exactly was not working? What was broken that the plumbing had to be fixed? Okay. Well, the tub stopped draining. The, and- uh, it was, uh, the drain was actually broken. The plumber came in and told me that it had corroded in the wall. So it was uh, something that happened over time and it was leaking into the wall. Oh, I paid three hundred and fifty dollars for the guy to come and fix it, and uh, I got receipts and everything from the guy because I paid him in cash, and he didn't have the receipt at the so, time. So he came back, brought me the receipt, but the manager still refused to. All right, Aaron, let me. Why? Why didn't you make a claim to the manager? Why didn't you say, "Here, I got a bid for doing this"? I'm assuming you put it all in writing that it was leaking and it needed to be fixed. Correct. Or was it no, all? But he knows. He and then I don't care what he knows. No, no, no. Aaron, of course he knows. Uh, but when he says, I don't know what you're talking about, Aaron, you have no proof other than I talked to him, right? Right. Yeah, it's a problem. That's a problem, Aaron, because he's going to deny all of it. So you moved out? Okay. Did you move out, Aaron? I'm yeah. Moving out. Okay. I'm, uh, yeah. Moving he's, out not gonna, he's not going to, he's not going to sue you. Uh, unless you have, did you have a lease? Uh, no, we had a month to month. All right, you're fine. You're fine. You were just a, a moron. Uh, that's all. He's a he's he's a fine moron. What's the number one rule? I always say, get it in writing. That's for starters. You know that. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. Uh, Marjorie the other day uh, had something. She was on a conversation with something, and I said, did you get it in writing? She says, no. I go, here's what you get to do. 
you get to send an email saying, per our conversation of. And then write it out and saying, uh, is if you do not respond, that I will assume you accept uh, my version of what happened. And the only thing they can do is come back and say, no, I didn't say that or whatever. But uh, it's there was nothing really, really outrageous about it. Now, that guarantees that they might respond. So instead of saying, if you do not respond, yeah, it's a little bit too much because that's uh, throwing at them. Let's go the other way. And just this is a memorial per our conversation. This is what happened. Very truly yours. Sincerely, uh, Bill's wife who didn't get it in writing beforehand. And he's going to call me an idiot. Right there on the signature line. That's exactly what she put down. All right, Bob, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you, Bill. Sure. Yeah, I'm wondering if I have the legal right to view my uh, late brother's uh, will. Uh, well, uh, are, you, are you a beneficiary under the will, or do you think you're a beneficiary under the will? Uh, well, my brother had written to me before he died, and he he said, send me your social security number because uh, he was setting up a revocable living trust. Okay, so that's not a will. Okay, so are you asking to look at the trust or a will? Um, well, both if they exist. Okay, and based on that, uh, you can you can pull the right. You have a legal right to see the will because you have the right. It's a public document. You can pull it tomorrow afternoon if you want. Uh-huh. And see if, now a trust will probably not be recorded, but a will certainly will. That's a public document. Is your brother dead? Uh, yeah, he okay. died, died a year and a half ago. Okay, so that helps you. Uh, maybe not emotionally, but that certainly helps you legally. You have the right to pull the will. In other words, there's a file in Ray, the estate of brother's name, in the county in which he died. And you can do it right on the internet, or you can hire someone, and they'll just grab it, and then you start looking at the will. If there is a trust, uh, you want to, you'd have to ask the trustee, if you knew the trustee, that gets me a little bit uh, more complicated because a trustee, unless you have a copy of it, uh, really you don't know uh, if there was one and if you've been screwed by the trustee. See, what your brother uh, should have done is, uh, which is what uh, my wife and I do, is we have a uh, we, we have a trust for the benefit of our kids. Uh, not very much money. They don't know that yet, but they're not going to see much. And, and there is a bunch, and I have a trustee, I have a co-trustee, I have a successor trustee, everybody gets a copy of it. And I told my kids, there's also going to be a copy of it in the safe deposit box. So when we die, there's no one that can screw you over because there's too many out there. And our lawyer has a copy of the trust, the guy who wrote the will. So you've got five people out there that have copies of the trust who are going to hunt my kids down because uh, they have all kinds of, they have a fiduciary duty to distribute the trust per their agreement to be trustees. So Bob, I'm assuming your brother did none of that, right? Um, um, no one will tell me. Well, he would have told you there's a trust. All he did was ask for a, uh, well, do you, do you first of all, you have to look to see if there's a will. Yeah, I was uh, stonewalled uh, by That's, my but sister. It doesn't matter. And then, okay, then you have a lawyer write your sister uh-huh. and say, if uh, is there a trust and I want to see it? 
And if she says there is no trust, then it gets really interesting because uh, if she's lying about that, and it's fairly easy to see were bank accounts transferred in her name, uh, is there a bank account out there in the name of a trust? You may have to do a little bit of homework on that one, and that's maybe a uh, private investigator. Do you have any idea how much money uh, your brother had that he was leaving to everybody? No, I don't. They won't tell me. My sister won't tell me. Uh, I'd get a lawyer to her. Something's going on here. Something's going on. I'd get a lawyer, let her go to a probate and estate lawyer and see where you stand on that. Mm. Okay, just buy an hour of time from from a probate and estate lawyer. You can go to the website, handleonthelaw.com, and just lay it out and say, what do I do? What's my next step? All right. Thank you, Bill. Sure. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Don't know if there's will. No one will tell me. My sister won't tell me. Like he's Amish and has been shunned by the community. Hello, Ray. Ray, you're up. Oh, that's a horrible line, Ray. This isn't working at all. Ray gets to call back. Hello, Elaine. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes. Hi. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, a situation that. Uh happened where I was out of town over the holidays for about for six days, and I had, was living in an apartment complex after I sold my home at the time, and um, I come back uh, from the airport, and here's this, this notice posted it actually stuck into my door, and regarding, with my, with my full name on it, regarding the new terms of whatever lease uh, if I wanted to renew. Okay. I I said, um, you know, it was annoying, first of all, since I saw this, the date they posted it on the door was the day I had left. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That that part doesn't I, matter, Elaine. I asked the manager about it, and he said, by law, they must actually physically post it to the door. Yeah, and he, I said, well, Elaine, he made, he, yeah, he made that. Elaine, he, he, made that, he made that up, Elaine. Sorry? He made that up. He, uh, yeah, I didn't find anything. Right, he made it up. That. No, he made it up. That's complete well, BS. So, what's your question, my dear? Well, what you know, there, thankfully nothing happened. I guess that was part of my question. Okay, part of your question is he's blowing smoke, has no idea about the law, and he's just completely full of it. He made that up. Okay. Okay. And, so that uh, part's done. What? What's the other part of it? The other part is, and it didn't. Nothing did happen, thankfully. But what would the liability have been on their part if something had? I mean, why not just say you know? She's like gone what? For, like what? Well, if someone had broken in to to my apartment because it's in that complex it's very visible that where everybody passes by if you're not yeah well, why would excuse me why would anybody think you were not at home simply because they threw a rate thing on the door i mean that's because you would have to open the door and it would drop out it was stuck into the door oh 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 got it uh yeah who knows uh, but the good news is you're right nothing happened so if if it turned out that uh, that someone did break in, uh, would there be liability? Uh, I don't know. But here's a question to ask you. If my grandfather were my grandmother, uh, would, would that change anything? <laughs> see, it, you know, but, but here it is. But my grandfather was not my grandmother. You see, Elaine? The plumbing, the plumbing was correct. So, uh, yeah. There you go. Elaine got it. Hey, Vince, uh, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Oh, yes, sir. Hey, Bill, I bought a house 
in Beverly Hills, California, a couple of months ago. I paid $3.5 million. When my, my nine-year-old and an 11-year-old play in the upstairs bedroom, uh, the downstairs living room shakes like an earthquake. Oh, that's great. All right. Uh, whoa. Uh, was it a new house or an older home? It was an older home, and it was reconstructed. Now, not, not 100% because they left some of the foundation. Yeah, okay. Well, it doesn't even matter. Uh, when was it remodeled? Do you have any idea? This year? Last oh, year. This year? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to, uh, boy, what do you want? I mean, do you want, do you want to get out of that? Do you want them to fix it? Do you want to, uh, have them refund your money and you look for another one? Where would you like to go with this? Any of the above. Okay. It's time for you definitely to get a real estate attorney, Vince. This is, this is no small deal. Uh, this is one of those where I guarantee you, you're going to have, have a few, a, a huge fight on the other end. You're going to have a more, I assume you have a mortgage on it. Correct, Vince? Of course. Okay, so you're going to have a mortgage company saying, oh, no, 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 no. You borrowed the money. We have a mortgage. You're going to have a, a contractor saying, oh, no, 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 no. We did a great job, and we can prove it. You're going to have a homeowner, uh, a previous homeowner, that's going to say, hey, we had no idea. This is brand new to us. So it, everybody is going to point the finger at everybody else, Vince. It's definitely time for you to get a, a real estate attorney. That's when real estate attorneys are. This is why God invented real estate attorneys. Could I get somebody to uh, work uh, work with me on contingency? No, 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 because uh, what what's the contingency? Okay, you can get out of the loan. Here's your down payment back. Okay, they have to fix the house. Where's the attorney going to get the money? I see your point. Yeah, so no, it's going to cost you hourly, and it ain't going to be cheap, unfortunately. And And there's really no way. You go into a house, you buy it. Do you say, kids, go upstairs and play? Let me see uh, uh, wh- where where the sound reverberates. Uh, there's uh, there's nowhere to go on this, Vince. You did absolutely nothing wrong. You just got screwed. And it's going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars, if not more. Hopefully, you can get your attorney's fees back. Vlasta! Hello, Vlasta! How are you? Uh, Mr. Handel, love yeah, you anyway. Of course you this do. This is the situation. Where are you from, Vlasta? Czechoslovakia. Oh, you're from Czechoslovakia. Well, there is no Czechoslovakia anymore. You Back know that. Then I was a little. I know, I know. My father was from Yugoslavia, and I keep oh, on, really? you know, yeah, I tell I thought you came from Latin America. I was born in Latin America, but my dad came from Zagreb. Yugoslavia. Oh, how interesting. Then he went to Latin America. I he got went... to big trouble over there when I was traveling. I almost got arrested. Where? In, in Yugoslavia? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was right before the trouble. Ah, ah, okay. Well, Anyhow, this is what I would like to ask. Okay. I was dying of cancer uh, years ago. But you're not dead yet. Uh, no, I survived. And you I did, okay. Fighting. You were you dying, know? but it didn't happen. Do I have that Thank right? Thank God. The doctor okay. said I'm dying within two years. Okay. But I am fine. Okay. Thank you. Anyhow, I left a little note to my stepsister, who has never been too good to me. We are struggling. The relationship is strained always. But anyway, um, that I leave pretty much everything to her, and she's responsible to give some of my art to my friends, okay? Uh, She doesn't care much about art, uh, so I reconsider. Now I would like to change the will. It was handwritten. It was not official. Okay, Vlaswell, a handwritten will can be official. How much much is the artwork uh, worth? I don't know, because I'm 
you know, it's excellent work. Everybody right, loves I, it. How, I'm glad everybody but loves I it. I don't know how much it's worth. You have to. Here's what I would do. First of all, I would get an appraisal. Oh, that would cost me for not, not necessar- no, not money. necessarily, not necessarily. You can go to uh, one of uh, uh, the uh, houses that do uh, op- one. Yeah, no, one of the auction houses. Really? Yep, and say I've got some artwork and I'm considering, I'm considering selling it, uh, and I'd like to know if it's worth anything or not to sell. They'll tell you. Really? Yeah. Now I don't think they'll give you an exact amount, but right. they'll give you an I idea. I can bring few samples. And- no, no, you got to bring them all. Oh, no, I have too many. <laughs> All right, well, you have to take pictures. Is it a well-known artist? It's myself. I am known more in Europe than I'm in here, especially since I've been out Hold of on. commission. Vlasta, Vlasta, you, it's, you're known in Europe. You're an established artist, and you don't have enough money for an appraisal. Do I have that right? Uh, I am somewhat known. I am not known for my financial success. Okay, how much? How much of your uh, your pictures go for in Europe? Uh, that again depends. You know. Okay, give me a, give me a range. Uh, I've been selling in here uh, like fifteen years ago, on occasion, not constantly, three times a year or something like that, between thousand to fifteen hundred for a painting. Okay, how mu- how many paintings do you have? Uh, I have large ones, probably 50, and uh, probably 200 small ones, smaller ones. Yeah, you're going to have a hard time getting that appraised. Maybe you will. Maybe you take one down and you bring a photo exactly. of the rest and see if I, they'll appraise it. So you, want, so you want to leave it to whom? You're, uh, you want to leave it all? I want to change my mind and leave it to my daughter. Yeah, that's easy. Is it? Sure, you just change the will. So I have to notify my stepsister? You have to notify nobody. You change the will. So she doesn't have to know. We don't. Well, have to I would. Fight I, about I, it. No, we don't have to fight about it. But uh, some you die, someone's going to be able to get into your house and pick up all the paintings. So she lives in New York. It doesn't matter. So you have to make arrangements for, let's say, the executor. If you die, and uh, the executor of the will has to go in and grab all of the artwork. Okay. And then distribute it per your uh, instructions in the will. Okay. Okay, that's what you do. So make sure someone uh, has a key to the house, someone you trust. Make that someone an executor of the will and uh, simply say, uh, this is my last will and testament and my executor, whoever the hell it is, uh, shall, uh, I'm leaving everything to my daughter and uh, then you list the paintings and I would take pictures of the paintings, just attach uh-huh. everything to it. Uh-huh. I would actually, Vlast, I would go get that will made by someone. I would. Serious professional. Yeah, like a lawyer. Yeah, I was thinking of it. Yeah. But I wondered whether yeah. uh, there could be a big problem when my sister shows up after she finds not if you have a good, Not if you have a good will, Vlasta. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, got it. So it doesn't have enough money for appraisal, but is a very well-respected artist. Okay, I'm missing something in the uh, translation there. Uh, hello, Jeff. Hello. Yes. Yes. I have a trust beneficiary question. Yes. We have a trustee that liquidated a blue chip uh, portfolio with dividends and rolled it 100% into his own business, of which he is the general partner. Oh, 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 Jeff, you can stop right there. There is a breach of fiduciary trust right there. Uh, and I wish you could, maybe I would even argue theft. 
I would. I would even argue. I'd go to the DA. How much money are we talking about, Jeff? Uh, $3 million. Oh, you call. Oh, yeah. How about getting a lawyer on Monday? I'll do that. Like right after you just right after you wake up. Okay. Before right after you pee, but before you make that cup of coffee. All right. So, so the fact that he beat the S and P is completely irrelevant. Irrelevant. Yeah. He took, no, it doesn't. Well, it, if he beat the S and P and he beat the blue chip, uh, and uh, but you still don't. You still need the money. What do you have? You have stock in his company. We have assets that have no liquidity. And then, no then, then uh, what he did is he stole the money from you. And again, yeah, yeah I, you know what? I would even call uh, the attorney before you pee. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, Russ. Yes. Yes, sir. If you have a legal dispute, would you like to go with an arbitrator or a small claims court? It really depends. Uh, how much when you talk about a legal dispute, how 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 legal uh, and how small a dispute money wise? Money wise is seven hundred dollars. I got shorted on a paycheck. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I would consider an arbitrator because they cost about three four hundred dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. And you're going to make your case. So, uh, yeah, what I would do is uh, an arbitrator is going to cost you at least two, three thousand dollars minimum. But you'll probably win your seven hundred dollars. Okay. Okay. Is arbitrator harder or small claims court harder to uh, win? It, it really depends uh, on uh, whether the arbitrator is harder or the small claims judge is harder. Okay. Russ, I, I, nope. You know what? I think for 700 bucks, spending $2,500 is absolutely the answer. Okay. Okay. Hello, Esther. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. Thank you. Say, so we have a situation of family trust. My 90-some-year-old mother lives with my almost 60-year-old brother, uh, there are a lot of us siblings, and this brother has really manipulated her and mm, yeah. continues to manipulate her. My oldest sister is actually a representative payee for my mother's Social Security. She just was able to regain control recently uh, because there are several people in the family that have been sort of uh, struggling over power. Yeah, I'll bet. So what's your yeah, what's your question? My question is, my sister also has power of attorney. Now, can my brother who lives with her take my mother and have my mother do another power of attorney? Sure, sure. Yeah, of course. Of course she can. And she has it notarized, and you have a power of attorney. The problem is there's going to be all kinds of conflicting powers of attorney. Uh, The latest power of attorney, the last one, supersedes any previous ones. Right. And and so the problem is going to be everybody's going to argue that your mom at 90 really isn't in her right mind or she was coerced or somehow she was demented. So it's a problem. Esther, how much money are we talking about in this trust? Well, there's probably almost a half a million dollars okay, with, and, the, with the house and the new. All right. And are the assets in the trust, Esther? They were originally, but we don't know right now because there was another brother who recently took everything about a year ago, and we don't know what he did. He oh, said- God. Okay. You're, geez, I don't know what to do other than uh, you can uh, ask for copies of the trust. You're real, have- and, they, and they're, of course, say, saying he, no, right? He said he's not going to let go of anything. Well, my sister did find her original trust, and so. But All right. Then she can, then what happens at this point? 
is you can go ahead and uh, file a lawsuit or a lawyer letter, at least demanding to see a copy of the trust. Actually, until the trust gets distributed, uh, I don't even know if you have standing uh, to get a copy of that trust. I mean, this is this is a must a mess. On, yeah. on the other hand, uh, mom can rewrite a trust and say, right. I'm changing the trustee of the trust. Is yeah. is mom within her right mind at this point? Uh, every, she has made those changes, and it's been my manipulating brother behind every change. Well, then your manipulating brother probably is going to be the trustee and maybe the beneficiary. And everybody's going to have to then start filing lawsuits. Esther, you have a mess on your hands. You want to at least talk to a trust and estate lawyer, Esther. But this is where family, uh, it's a, its crazy. You're better off killing them all of them than going to court. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's that much, that's that nuts. Don't you love it when family goes fighting over uh, what uh, what's in a trust or what's in a will? And I mean, just that's when family goes crazy. And of course, uh I guarantee you that uh, my children uh, will never, ever fight over the assets until I die. Right? And once I die, it's done. They'll be in court for the next 10 years because I know my kids. Uh, Hello, Evelyn. Yes. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for Um, you? A while back, I was doing laundry in this small uh, complex that I live in. And I slipped and fell and broke my ankle and a torn ligament. And the reason I slipped and fell was because there was a water hose in front of the laundry room. And there's, there's, there's a water hose uh, roll-up that's attached to the building. That's where the water hose was supposed to be on that roll-up. Okay. And I slipped and fell, like I said, broke my Okay, ankle. I get it. I get it. Okay. And I went to the management, and the first thing she did was take out my lease showing that I had signed a paper saying that they weren't liable for any... Uh, oh, no, that that's BS. Evelyn, saying that they're not liable is totally unenforceable. So that's not your problem. Mm-hmm. What your problem is, is figuring out who's at fault. Because you don't know how long that hose was there unrolled up. Uh-huh. It's usually rolled up. No, I get it. I get it. But So let me ask you, should management have someone there... 24 hours a day to make sure that hose is rolled up. There is a porter on the property. So the porter be there at all times. You see, because what happens if it was someone had used uh, that hose 10 minutes before and left it unrolled? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, that's one problem. And, well, that's the only problem. You don't know who did it and you can't prove who did it and didn't unroll it. Evelyn, where are you going to go? You have to basically say they knew. They're going to say, we didn't know. No one told us about it. So I have no case. That is correct. You have no case whatsoever. And good analysis, Evelyn. Good for you. You should have this show. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you should pay. uh, You you have absolutely no case. And you should pay maybe. All right. Uh, A story out of, uh, this is Pennsylvania. This is uh, an interesting one. Uh, And it's a normal uh, case of uh, some guy uh, who uh, is guilty of rape. But there are a couple of uh, a couple of aspects of this I want to share with you. First of all, he's 23 years old. Uh, He's Ukrainian. Arthur Samarin, 23, and uh, goes to high school in Pennsylvania because he looks so young. And he has sex with a 15 year old, which right there, of course, statutory rape. 
And he entered uh, a plea to fraud and sex charges. Fraud that he enrolled in high school, claiming to be, I think, a 17-year-old. And no, no, he claimed to be a 15-year-old because he enrolled as a freshman in high school and then had sex uh, later on. Uh, So he was 22. Uh, So he was 22 when he claimed to be 15. And he got away with it because he's, uh, I'm looking at a picture, he's so damn young looking. Uh, he has no sentencing deal, so it's up to the judge, Deborah Sertio, to choose the punishment. Remember, up to 40 years in jail. He called himself Asher Potts, uh, and Asher Potts, and he, yeah. and he uh, so impressed the teachers and community leaders while attending John Harris High School. He was at the top of the class, been accepted to college in Florida, and then someone said, you know what? He looks a little bit older than 18 years old. He turned out to be a Ukrainian citizen who overstayed a student work visa. And what makes this interesting is he was uh, the epitome of the best student on the planet. He enrolled in Harrisburg High as a freshman, was a member of the National Honor Society, the school's ROTC society, ROTC program, Naval Sea Cadet program. Uh, And, I mean, this guy was tremendous. Uh, A buddy of his who knew him uh, they shared a seven-week math and science program that only the two of them were selected to participate in at Penn State. And, I mean, I tell you, he got away with it, and he should have just been younger. I mean, he was a tremendous student. And, and the reason I bring this up is uh, because here you have a 22-year-old man who says he's 15 and gets away with it. It reminds me of uh, the the police who uh, go into a high, infiltrate a high school. You've heard of that for drugs? And they're 22, 23, and they look like they're 15 or 16 years old. And the reason I bring this up is I look at a picture of him. I'm the exact opposite. I always looked so much older than my actual age that I'm just the other side of the coin. I remember uh, when uh, I was the only one that could go into a store and buy beer for my friends. And I was 12. Actually, that's not true. Sure sounds good, doesn't it? Okay, let's just take some phone calls. Hello, John. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Um, I have a small restaurant or had a small restaurant in Orange County, and I was entered into a partnership. And uh, not too long ago, I go to my restaurant to do my ownership duties, and the locks have been changed by my business partner. Oh, lovely. So then I found out, like reaching out to the landlord's, I find out that she's incorporating to basically reopen the restaurant without me. Okay. Now, that uh, that gets really interesting. So, John, let's talk about the lease. All right. Is the, le- is the lease in place? There's a lease in place, but it's now month to month. And yeah, I have not gotten any. All right. Hold on. Has the lease, when you say there's a lease in place, but it's now month to month, then the uh, lease has expired. Yes, the lease expires. Okay, in so you so you have no lease, so it's uh it's a month to month based on effectively the same terms, although the landlord can change it in two seconds. So right. at this point, there is no lease. So how about the? Did you traditionally uh, look at the uh, the books? Did you know how much money was going in, going out, that sort of thing? Uh, roughly. So my business partner. Um, <clears throat> Basically, was the operating. Yeah, no, I get partner. it. Yeah, it obviously. Uh, yeah, how much money? I'm just curious. How much money does this restaurant do? 
I don't know, about 700000 a year. Yeah, it's time to definitely get a business lawyer, and you've got to just immediately start filing uh, injunctions, uh, restraining orders. Uh, yeah, that, that'd be, that's crazy. Once, if he has changed the locks on you, uh, then, or she, then you're already effectively into litigation with your okay. with your ex-partner. I mean, there's just no issue. There's no place to go. You don't call up. Just get a lawyer. You start with a lawyer letter. Uh, your partner is going to, ex-partner is going to screw you. I mean, you guys are are into it, unfortunately. Uh, you, your mistake actually was choosing your partner. And uh, if, or you just got totally defrauded, one or the other. What kind of food? Uh, sandwiches, pizzas, salads. Okay. And the restaurant was doing well, I guess. Kind of popular. Oh, yes. All right. Well, it's certainly time to uh, get into some uh, litigation with her. I mean, there's no place else you can go with this one, unfortunately. Okay, I got one more question. Sure. So when the lease had expired, you know, roughly January, a couple months ago, um, I had reached out to the landlord, and the landlord had said, well, no, we're not going to renew the lease to you or your partner, um, that uh, they have a, a personal friend that when the building is vacated, they've promised that location to their friend. Okay. But so, now it looks like that's not the case. Okay. They, that doesn't change anything, John. Are they liable in any way? No. Okay. No. You're done. That's it. And, and you may have a case, you may not, but that's still a, not a good place to go uh, in terms of a business partnership. Yeehaw. Did I just say yeehaw? Wow. If I were listening to me right now, it would be very depressing. Hello, Wendy. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Yes, ma'am. I have a quick, quick question for you. My daughter moved into an apartment. She had a lease. She had a friend that moved in with her. He came from Ohio to get famous here in Hollywood. It didn't happen quick enough, so he ran back home. Her, His name, she couldn't afford the rent by herself, so I moved in with her. His name was never removed from the lease. Will we be in trouble? No, not no, his- no, no, not at all. Uh, you can uh, no, not at all. Go to the landlord and say just remove him from the lease and put you in there, uh, or don't. It it doesn't make any difference. Okay, yeah. so he can't kick us out. Or- oh no, he can't. No, of course he can't kick you out. Your daughter's name is on the lease, correct? My name is not on the No, lease. your daughter's name is on the lease. Yes. Oh, no, he can't. No, he cannot kick you out. As a matter of fact, uh, your daughter can sue him for half of the rent. Oh. Since he signed it and both. Hold on. Oh, <coughs> sorry for the sneeze. Bless you. All right. Thank you. Since uh, he signed it, uh, he is responsible also for the rent. Now, they're joint and several, which means uh, either one of them is responsible for all of the rent. So the landlord can go after your daughter to have the entire rent paid. That's easy. But she, your daughter, can go after him because look at the lease. He signed it, too. So that's the only legal issue involved. But if he's back in Ohio, if he's back in Ohio, I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, exactly. Yeah. And, and we, we don't want any trouble. With yeah, you. no, you're fine. No, you're fine. Uh, I would uh, I would just uh, you can write him a letter saying, hey, you know, you signed on it. You're responsible, but uh, we probably won't go after you. And by the way, uh, the reason you failed is you have absolutely no talent. Uh, hey, Michael, welcome to Handle on the Law. 
Hi, I was involved in an assurance scam where there was a slip and fall pedestrian that fell in front of my car and tried to claim damages. Uh, those damages were defeated by my insurance company. However, the incident required a police report and an insurance report, and thus my VIN number was recorded by one of these car monitoring companies that claim vehicle history reports. Since there was no damage to my vehicle and I sent photos to them, I attempted to get that off my report because it causes my vehicle to not be eligible for certified pre-owned trade-in pricing. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So do I have recourse against the Carfax company uh, yeah, yeah, correct data? Uh, no, not really. Uh, but what you want to do, I mean, theoretically you do, but I'm trying to be practical about it. Uh, just say, hey, guys, uh, you can't do this. Uh, it was I was def I was a victim of fraud. There's no damage to the car. Uh, there is no accident here. And uh, what are you doing? Putting an incident in there. And they're going to say whatever they're going to say. Now, I'll tell you. So what you're not ready to take on that as a class action for me. Oh, God, no. It's not a class action suit. That's hilarious. That's well, at least you're at least you're making a joke out of it. Thank God, because I can't tell you that 99 percent of the callers would be dead ass serious about that. Uh, right. Michael. Here is, here's what I would do is let the, uh, the Carfax company or CarMax, whatever the hell it is, uh, let them know the difference between uh, what uh, the, the value of the car is with that report, that wrong report, that incorrect report, and what it is with, uh, without that. And there's a figure there. there uh, there's no question. And you say, guys, this is the difference. And please straighten this out. Otherwise, I have to take you to small claims court for the difference. Okay, and you do. It's real, and that's just real simple. What is the difference, Michael? It's several thousand dollars. Okay, well, there's uh, that's your lawsuit. Yeah, it's a good lawsuit, Michael. Okay. Okay. Good. Thank you. Good luck, or not, because it's not me. All right, uh, Shelly. Hi, Shelly. You're up. Welcome. Hey. Thanks. Um, so six months ago, I moved to Solana Beach uh, in this little 1940s motor lodge kind of thing. Turned out, it, it turned out to be sort of a slumlord situation um, based in little Mexico. Uh, and what does that mean? I don't know. I don't quite understand. Slumlord situation uh, is uh, the the property that you're doing is it infested? Is uh, the the wall or the walls falling off? Um, the ceiling has holes in it? What, what does that mean? Massive amounts of cockroaches. Uh, stove doesn't work. There's no, not a lot of ventilation. How did you move into there knowing all of that or should oh have known all gosh, that? Because when I went during the day, it was this quiet little place directly across the street from the beach, three blocks from where I work. And there were, you know, there were a few people. By the time I moved in, there's 25 kids slamming their skateboards. Wait a minute. So you're coming in there, there were no kids, and you move in a few weeks later, and all of a sudden there's 25 kids. You know what? I guess I just really honestly didn't know the way other people live. Okay. Um, so what, just, what's, your, what's your question? So my question is, do, you know, I, I can't really afford to move right now, but would like to. Um, and, you know, is there any, do I have any recourse? Well, in terms of what? Help, helping you move? Well, um, the amount of stress and angst. No, no, you can't no. sue for stress and angst. Nobody cares. No, really, no, no, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, it's, it, it, 
just allow this to happen? Yeah, yeah, they do, because it's a caveat emptor. I mean, you you have some responsibility okay. to figure out where you live. You can't just throw it on them. And as far as stress is concerned, hey, I wake up every morning, and I look at my wife and realize, okay, another day. I mean, that's stress. Could I sue her? No. <laughs> Marjorie is going to. Yeah, she's going to be very upset. That's true. But uh, you know what? I don't think she's listening right now. Uh, so that's much better. Hello, Conrad. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Uh, uh, yeah, I've got a question. Yes? I opened up a phone room, a boiler room, to call people on the phone. In Mexico, would I still be subject to the do not call list? Probably not, uh, because you're in Mexico. Uh, and I don't even know uh, that the no-call rule even exists anymore, Conrad, because people call me up like crazy. I have no idea if they're enforcing it or not enforcing it. And it, certainly in at my house, uh, I get called, I don't know how many times uh, a night. For some reason, I'm on a list with uh, the uh, home improvement people, and I don't get that. And I'll get three, four, five phone calls in the evening, and it's on the it's on my my private line, my inside line that I just use going out. I mean, it's a private line, and somehow someone got it, and they're going like crazy. I was on every no call list that existed, Conrad. They're ignoring it, so I don't think it's a problem. I really don't. Oh, okay. Yeah, I really don't. But uh, how are you going to do this? Where are you going to get uh, English speaking people? Uh, or are you going after the Hispanic market? No, they're easy to find. I mean, everybody speaks English. No, with Especially in Mexico. Okay, but you're talking about with with the kind of English that ha- is accentless. Yes. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, I've been down there. Okay, uh, and I'm sure that it's very inexpensive to do that. I think you're okay. Okay, there you go. There's my advice. And if you're not, uh, call me from a Mexican jail and uh, ask me uh, how it works. In Mexico, in jail. I go, it's not as much fun as here, for sure. Oh, there's Dave. Hello, Dave. Hey. Yeah, go ahead. Your turn. I was uh, with uh, this girl for about three years, and it was time for me to get a new bed. So I asked her if she wanted a soft bed or a firm bed. She wanted soft. I wanted firm, so I decided I had to buy a sleep by number. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those that I talk about. And and uh, I we go down there. I get ready to pay for it. Then all of a sudden, she offers to pay for half of it. And we had plans on uh, moving in together eventually, and uh, so I accepted her money. And fast forward a few months, we break up. And uh, from parting words, well, I want twenty five hundred for that bed. Well, how much did you pay for the bed? Total of five thousand. Yeah, I know it's a good bed, isn't it? I have one of those. It's a phenomenal bed, to say the least. It's a high end bed. So she's the one that said uh, she wants twenty five hundred dollars for the bed. Yeah. All right. I want you to say no. I did. And the bed's with you, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I say good luck with that. Right. So, what's your next question, Dave? She's suing me in small claims. Okay. I want to know what her chances are. Pretty good. Pretty good, Dave. She bought half the bed, and now you have the bed, and she goes, Your Honor, uh, this is not a $2,500 gift that I'm giving him. We're broken up, and uh, I want my half. And the judge, uh, pretty good chance the judge is going to say, Yeah, Dave, give her some money. Give her the her half the bed. Yeah. Can I offer her the bed? Yeah, you can offer her the bed, too. You can go say, Hey, you can have the bed. I don't want the bed. 
Now it gets interesting because uh, you don't want the bed. She doesn't want the bed. And what happens? Of course, you can offer her the bed and see if she takes it. And if she says no and you go, here's uh, here's the bed. You give me $2,500. She says no. So whoever takes the bed theoretically owes the other person $2,500. And so it gets really interesting when no one wants the bed. And then maybe what you do is you sell the bed and then split the money. Now, used beds uh, uh, don't have particularly good resale. Right. Uh, but so uh, you're you're stuck between uh, a rock and a hard place or a uh, a firm or a soft mattress. Now, it doesn't matter that I'd never ask for the money. Eh, it doesn't matter. Now you, yes, it does. You can say it was a gift, but no one's going to believe it. Mm. It's uh, no one's going to believe it. She says, hey, I'll give you half the money so I own half the bed. Yeah, yeah. Whatever she's going to say. Uh, the bottom line is, Dave, she gave you half the money for the bed. She bought half the bed. So uh, you get to deal with that in front of a small claims judge. Uh, I don't know which way I'd go on this. I really don't. Maybe I'd just slice the bed in half or start screaming at you. Why didn't you buy twins? If you had bought twin beds, we wouldn't have a problem here. All right, Taylor. Hello, Taylor. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, how are you? Yes, ma'am. My question was, my employer is um, verbally abusive to all of his employees, and I was wondering what the actions I could take against him. Well, you can sue for hostile work environment. Okay. And uh, that's basically it. Uh, but you, the uh, the rewards or the returns on that one aren't, aren't bad. I mean, they're, uh, they they give pretty good awards when uh, you're, you can prove hostile work environment. Now, are any of the other employees going to back you up, Taylor, when the employer says, I don't know what Taylor's talking about? Oh, yeah. Every single one of them. And they're all going to lose their jobs. They're aware of that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then you go for it. Matter of fact, all of you sue. Uh, or several of you, you go to a, you, what you go to a work discrimination attorney mm-hmm. and employment discrimination attorney, and uh, that's what they do. Okay. Go, go to the website, go to handleonthelaw.com. We have all kinds of uh, lawyers who do that and start to work, especially if you've got other people saying, yeah, he's really verbally abusive. When you talk about verbally abusive, uh, what, what does he do? So a couple of weeks ago, I mean, he's called us everything from idiots to donkeys to you know, saying that he's going to effing beat us. and This is a boss? Yeah. Wow. What, what do you do? What, what kind of work is this? I'm a waitress. Oh, this is, the, is this the owner of the, the restaurant? Yeah, there's a co-owner, too. That. Uh, oh, yeah. If you, guys all, if you guys all sue, boom, at the same time, or a group of you, yeah, they're in trouble. Okay. Yeah, they're in trouble. I think you, uh, you've got a good lawsuit there. You bet. Yeah, a good way to run a restaurant. Calling employees donkeys. I did that for a while, except I actually used the word ass, so they didn't know that I was referring specifically to an animal. And um, that that didn't go well at all. Cam! Hello, Cam! Yes, Phil. Yes, what can I do for you? Okay, we have a soccer team here in Temecula, and the coach got our dues, and as soon as he got the dues, he told us he was having problems with the field, and we couldn't practice. And one thing led to another. He fled to Africa and signed a deal for one year, and he's not giving us back our money. What can we do? And he's in Africa? He's in Africa right now, yeah. I'll tell you what you can do. Nothing. Where are you going to go? Are you going to sue him in Africa? What, are the police going to go? Are they going to go arrest him in Africa? But he's coming back in two weeks. Then what you do is, uh, when he comes back, 
you uh, you call the police, not that they're going to do anything, and immediately file a lawsuit against him. How much money did he take, Cam? He took six hundred from me, but there's seventy six people he took six hundred dollars from. Wow. So we're talking forty thousand dollars. Oh, more than that, because my kid is six years old. He took six hundred from us, and then there's kids that are like eleven and twelve, where he took like fifteen hundred dollars from them. All right, that it's definitely police time. It's definitely police time. So how does that work that you have people paying $1,100 to an individual as opposed to an organization that is some... He's the manager slash owner of the club. So So when you wrote the check, you wrote the check out to the club, not to him? Yes. Okay, got it. All right, yeah, it's time to call the police on that one. There's not much more you can do on that one because uh, what's going to happen is any civil judgment you're going to get uh, against him, which looks pretty good, uh, is not going to compare with the power of a deal that he cuts with uh, the DA if he does, and there's enough proof, and I can't imagine there isn't, uh, where uh, restitution will absolutely be mandated. There's no question a judge going, you have to pay these people back. So you're, And that's a criminal act not to. So that's much stronger than any kind of uh, civil action you can do, and why spend your money kind of thing. On the other hand, if he stays in Africa... They're not going to touch him. No, I know he's in Africa because he posted on Facebook, but he said he was coming back. Well, then you want what you want to do is uh, talk to the police and have a police report written that he stole all of your money and tell the cops when he is showing up. When he comes back, hopefully they'll arrest him. Beautiful. Yeah, Thank but I don't know if you're going to get your money back. Oh, that's a drag when that happens. Ooh, my, my kids don't play soccer, so uh, that's, that's a good thing. All the one daughter, all she does is play video games. And what do you think that cost me? If I could do it for 600 bucks, I would switch places with Cam in two seconds. Shirley. Hello, Shirley. Don't call me Shirley. Yes. Yes. Um, A year ago, I moved my mother into an assisted living. Yes. And I have a document which shows the original rent at 3290. And they were uh, giving us a concession if we moved her in within two weeks. Lowering the rent to thirty one ninety nine. So I get my first bill and it shows the rent two hundred dollars higher, but they've showing a higher concession. The net rent is still thirty one ninety nine. So I pay the bill. I've been paying the bills for a year. And uh, last month they send me a letter, they're increasing the rents, and of course they're using this higher number. So I'm wondering if I have any No. No, you don't. Look at look at your contract or look at your mom's contract with uh, with them. And whatever uh, whatever they're giving in terms of an enticement uh, and my mother, exactly the same thing happened to my mother. And they will give an enticement of several hundred dollars off of that bill or off of the first amount of money they're charging. And then when the when it went up every year and it went up every year, you just paid it unless you had an agreement saying it wasn't going to. Well, but but they, they the very first bill was two hundred dollars higher. That they're saying. All right. So, but did they give you when they said two hundred dollars higher? Was it on the basis of that month's uh, that month's move in? No. All right. Then that's what you're going to do. Say, hey, you owe me uh, money because uh, you charged me two hundred bucks more. So effectively, you raise the rate to me without me agreeing to it or without me signing. What does the contract say? What does the monthly rent say on the document? Uh, In the contract, which unfortunately I don't have a copy, but I talked to the home's manager and I saw it, the rent 
says $3,199. Okay, and they gave you $200 off of that as an inducement. No, that was the lowered rate. So their contract was actually probably written wrong, but that's not my All right, fault. so you have a lowered rate to that initial uh, payment. I got it. And then they raise the rate to a new higher rate. Right. They can do that. Without me agreeing to it? Yeah, it doesn't. You've agreed to it when you... That's true. If you look at the contract, it says that they can raise the rent at any time, giving you notice. Yeah. Okay. And, and they gave you notice. I mean, I would get notice three months in advance for my mom's assisted living uh, from the facility. They'd say, hey, starting January 1st, guess what? Here's what your rent's going to be. Because okay. it, it's it's a month to month. Yeah, you're uh, totally screwed on that. And all you can do is have your mother die. And then you save uh, about $3,200 a month. Well, I don't know why people get upset with me when I say that. Hello, Mike. Yes. Yes, what can I do for you? Okay. Um, I got a case. It's a personal injury case. The lawyer said he would take um, a, a percentage of the settlement that I got out of the case. But when, when it was all said and done, he took a, not only the percentage of this from the settlement amount from the insurance company, but also the same percentage from my med pay insurance on my car insurance. Yeah. What you want to do is look at the retainer agreement. Right. What does the retainer agreement say? It says he would take a, a, a percentage of the that of the settlement. That's all it says. Okay, then you call him up and you go. Uh, the settlement it does not mean also the med pay. You didn't settle uh, with the med pay. That's not part of it. They just submitted a bill for uh, the the med pay. Correct. And who paid it? Your own insurance company paid it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I think he settled. Um, he. The, the med pay uh, was uh, reduced in terms of my paying them back. And he took a third of that? He took a third of the entire $10,000 med pay on my insurance company. Entire of med pay plus uh, whatever else settlement he had. Plus this settlement amount. He took that percentage as well. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I would talk to a PI attorney and find that out because I I, I, I don't know the answer to that. Okay. I've, I've tried to get somebody to g- give me a... I went to legal aid and they kept giving me the runaround, wouldn't give me an answer. Yeah. Well, you've got to keep on going and find out because I don't know the answer either on what the what, what settlement means uh, under, the, uh, under, under the law and what the canons of ethics say also, which are allowed to take out, what the, the bar effectively, the bar... Uh, the rules and regulations of the bar allow you to take out. It's, it literally is just a definition of what settlement is. And I don't know if retainer agreements say settlement here is hereby defined as, and then list all of uh, the uh, the terms that, are, uh, that uh, the lawyer can use to collect on. For example, if you read an insurance policy, today insurance policies are so easy to understand they used to be impossible. You couldn't understand a home insurance policy, for example, a homeowner's insurance or any kind of insurance. You just couldn't understand it. It was so convoluted. So today, if you buy one, it starts with definitions. Insured means you. Insurance company means us. Damages mean how much you have been hurt Property-wise, under these circumstances, uh, no one can argue, I don't understand uh, what's happening. And I don't know if the same situation is involved when defining the term settlement in a retainer agreement. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice, where I, Bill Handle, tell you, whatever the hell your name is, that you have absolutely no case.
All right, here in California, there's a whole issue of gun control. As a matter of fact, California has the uh, toughest gun control legislation of anywhere in the country. So uh, there was a lawsuit uh, being funded by something called the Firearms Policy Coalition on behalf of one of the group's members who uh, is listed in the lawsuit and uh, had a blog under the pseudonym uh, Publius. And uh, he writes a blog, and the blog is called The Real Right Ringer, uh, which is, you know, half clever, isn't it? And uh, it is obviously a very pro-gun blog, and this entire organization, the Firearms Policy Coalition, is a serious uh, Second Amendment organization. So the blog recently published the names, home addresses, and home phone numbers of 40 legislators who had voted for gun control uh, laws. And uh, the blog said the officials decided to make you a criminal if you don't abide by their dictates. So below is the current tyrant registry. And there they were. The names, the phone numbers, the addresses, all the information they needed or anybody needed to get hold of the legislator. Not in in the legislation, not his office. Everybody knows that. But the home information. Well, the hosting company, uh, WordPress, took down the post instantly after it received a letter from Deputy Legislative Counsel, uh, the lawyer involved with the legislature, saying that the information put elected officials at grave risk, uh, citing state law, barring the release of the information, and basically saying, you know what, you got to get rid of this information, and if not, we're going to file a lawsuit against you and go for court costs, attorney's fees, and anything else we can uh, get our hands on. And uh, guess what? what, uh, Of course, the uh, hosting company took it down. The lawsuit is uh, the Firearms Policy Coalition trying to get the names back on to the blog. Arguing, number one, the post is not threatening to elected officials. Sounds like Donald Trump saying, no, I don't want the Second Amendment people to shoot at Hillary. So, uh... The Firearms Policy Coalition is saying that uh, there is uh, the post is not threatening and the state's action is censorship that violates their First Amendment rights into being able to publish the names of all of these officials. Gun people can, can be nuts. I mean, they can really, truly be out of their minds. I mean, at what point do you not publish the names, that's like publishing the name of a, uh, uh, let's say, a police officer. Here's his home address. Here's where uh, he lives. Uh, here's where his kids go to school. But we're not, we're not threatening him, nor are we asking you to do any harm to him. So that's kind of crazy. All right, let's take some phone calls. Hi, India. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What can I do for you? Question. I've been working for FedEx for uh, 18 years. I've been a driver for nine years. Uh, We have to get our medical certificate recertified um, every two years. Recently, uh, the DOT has changed their medical requirements, where if you uh, have a 17-inch collar or you're overweight or... um, you um, have a big jawbone. You have to get. You have a big jawbone. A big jawbone. They have crazy requirements now that they want you to get a sleep apnea test. 
So basically, that you got to go to the doctor. No, I know what a, I, I know what a sleep apnea test is. I've had one done. It's a sleep study. Uh, yes. I, I get it. It's a full sleep study. Uh, it turns out that I do have sleep apnea, so I happen to wear a uh, CPAP machine, and it looks ludicrous. I look like Darth Vader, an albino Darth Vader. How yeah. Uh, so, what's your question, India? My question is: Is it a discrimination because because you're fat? Yes. How fat are you? I'm two eighty. And how tall are you? I'm five eight and a half. Oh, okay, so you're pretty tall, but two eighty is pretty hefty there, India. It really is. Okay, but listen, my brother is one one eighty. Yeah. Apnea. I know it can happen, but fat people have. By the way, India is it? A, see, here's the problem: is that they're having is they're limiting a sleep apnea test only to people that are overweight or have a size 17 collar. I mean, that's or have a big jawbone. India, that sounds like Nazi Germany with calipers. No, there's a big problem with them. Now, whether if everybody gets a sleep apnea test, mm, I can see that because that's dangerous with people driving, especially if the DOT has changed its rules. Uh, you have to uh, you obviously have to accommodate uh, whatever new rules there are. But uh-huh. as the big a, a jawbone and uh, a 17 collar India, that makes no sense at all. And all I'm going to say is uh, contact a work discrimination attorney. If nothing else, uh, he or she will enjoy the big jawbone story. Big jawbone, 17-inch neck. Okay. What if you're big? What if you just happen to be tall? Six foot four, great shape, BMI of 18, 19, 20, sleep apnea test, just because... That sound, that didn't sound very good. That really sounded a little weird to me. All right, Karen. Yes, ma'am. Yo, thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have a question for you. I'm on Section 8. I live in a, 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 in a senior complex, and my manager here, she called the Section 8 people on me and said I had somebody living here, and that's an absolute lie. And I had to go in for a mandatory tenant counseling session. And I was just wondering, I mean, you know, for her to do something. Yeah, like I know. That. Did did you, uh, when you went in for the counseling section, did you, sim- or session, did you simply say, that's not true? Yes, I did. And what did they do? They didn't, they didn't do anything. They told me that, well, I told them that uh, I was going to go to her supervisor and write a letter to her supervisor. Okay, so what, what are you asking me, Karen? Okay, I'm asking you, what what can be done about her for lying on me? Like uh, other than complaining and uh, putting in a written complaint and putting it on the record that she made it up, uh, that's basically all you can do. Okay. Yeah, because you haven't been damaged. You haven't been thrown out. Uh, no, all no, you, I yeah. So your damages are basically non-existent. But you okay, want to put, that's... yeah, you want to put on the record that she's done that, and if she keeps on doing that. Uh, and has a pattern of it, she's gone. I mean, she's just lost her job as a manager. Because at some point, I mean, can you get caught lying twice, three times? Hello, Michelle. Welcome to Handle on the Law. About a month ago, 
month ago, a developer um, who bought the house behind us was issued a permit by the L.A. Department of Building and Safety to build a second dwelling unit at the rear of his property, um, according to ZA Memorandum 120, which has since been deemed invalid by an L.A. Superior Court judge who stated that the L.A. Municipal Code has second dwelling unit standards that should be followed. The question is, what can we as a homeowner... Oh, yeah, that's a problem because he's going to argue that uh, at the time that the law was in place or the time he got his permit... The law allowed him to do it, and what is happening is the judge says retroactively the law shouldn't have been in place. So what what is the alternative? Do you force him to tear down that, that home, which he put up pursuant to law at the time? Or comply with the standards. But the standards were in place, but the point is he met the standards at the time that uh, the permit was issued. Is he supposed to know what the standards will be next year? Or a lawsuit being filed and he has to wait for the lawsuit and then maybe wait for the appeals and then wait again? Here's the problem you have, Michelle, is uh, that he, he may have been in violation of a law that was legitimate at the time he got it. What, what do you expect him to do? I mean, legally. I know, you, of course, you want him to tear down the property, but what, what would you like to happen? Well, to comply with the standards of 640 square feet. Of which, means tear, which means tear down the property. Sure. And his defense was, but the law was in place when I did it. So do we have grounds for... I don't think so. I don't think so. Because it is such, it would be such a, uh, a, it would be so harmful to him. It would be such a harm to him uh, that it would uh, be, it would be so financially devastating. I mean, building a property and then tearing it down. Right. Let's say, okay, how about this one? Uh, let's say uh, the law changes, and uh, I'm just being hypothetical, and they, the setback on your house moves from 20 feet, and now it has to be 25 feet, which they change all the time, setbacks. Well, Right, they're not going to make us... Exactly. Why? Because at the time it was legitimate. Now, I understand there's another issue here, and that is that the law itself was being challenged in court and the and the law said or the judge said that law is no is it no longer valid or was never valid. Except that it was never a law. It was an internal memo. But it doesn't matter if it allows to if but if it was permitted due or permitted based on what the Department of Building Safety allows, that was the policy. That's the policy. So I think you've got some problems, but obviously you'd go to a real estate attorney to find out where you sit on that one. But I, I tell you, you're also going to pay big time for a real estate attorney too. Hello, Jake. Jake, you there? All right. Robert, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello, Robert. Hello. Yes. Hello. Can you hear me? I can. Excellent. Hey, back in... Uh a couple decades ago, I bought a gym membership, and then I thought, hey, I can upgrade this to a gym membership where I can go to all the gyms of this particular uh, company in San Diego, so I upgraded. The company was called Family Fitness. Yeah, I don't care what the company's called. Okay, so the company's Family Fitness, and? And they were bought out by another company, and this company now has uh, additional gym locations. 
And they tell me that I cannot work out at the original location. All right. Do you have the contract, Robert, the original contract that you signed and the upgrade contract? Do you have a copy of it? Uh, it was probably 20 years ago. Do That means no? That would mean no. Then uh, where are you going to go on that? That's what they told me. No, it's not true. We changed our, uh, we, we simply changed our policy. But I bought a lifetime membership. All right. Let me see it. Well, I don't have it. But oh. Yeah. It, my, yeah. Good yeah. luck. You're done. Hello, Miriam. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Or is that Shane? Shane. Oh, sorry. Hi, Shane. Are you on a speakerphone? Uh, yes, I am. No, that's going to stop right now. All right. Sorry about that. Okay. What can I do for you? Oh, I had a quick question. I hired a lawyer through a mutual friend of ours uh, last year for my wife's DMV hearing. Unfortunately, she was involved in an accident, um, and the DMV wanted to take her license away. Um, Contact this lawyer, ask them basically what he would charge me to review the case and represent her at the hearing. He told me to call it two hours, his rate three fifty, but let's call it seven hundred unless things substantially change, he would let me know. Well, I got his bill. It's about eight times of what he initially told me in the email and I went back to him. He now comes back to me with about four times and tells me I know what work went into the case and it is what it is and if i want to go to small claims court let's do it well you don't have to go to small claims court because he's gonna to have to take you to small claims court shane uh or he's gonna take you to regular court and you simply have to answer the complaint there's not much you can do about it except to go to court now let's start talking about the initial charge did he send you a retainer agreement no, he did not. Aha. So there's so he screwed right there because you tell your story, he tells his story, and uh, the law is really clear, or the canons of ethics, according to the California State Bar. You have to have a written estimate. You have to have a retainer agreement saying this is what I will do. And if it's a flat fee, it says I will spend I will uh, uh, do this for twenty five hundred dollars no matter what, or a retainer agreement as against uh, the hourly fee. You can't just send someone a bill when you and the original the original email just says uh-huh. I estimate this to be two hours and I'm going to do it for seven hundred dollars. Yes, it says I'll, I'll do it. Let's call it two hours unless things substantially. Okay, change, and, and he and he know. never let you know that things substantially changed. No, he actually had another lawyer from his firm represent. Me. Doesn't matter. Never let me know. Doesn't so, matter, yeah. Shane. I think you're fine. Tell him to go pound sand. So basically the $700 I paid him, which I owed him. Yes, uh, I think you're okay. And let him sue you. Now, the problem you may have is that he's not going to sue you in small claims court. He is going to sue you in, uh, he is going to sue you in superior court just to give you grief. And okay. what, you, what you have to do is answer the complaint, Shane, and literally and you're in front of the judge, you show your paperwork. I mean, you got a dead bang winner on your hands. And then say, and your honor, the reason he's suing me or superior court is just to make sure that it wasn't small claims, just to get, just just to harass me, and see what the ju- and see what the judge said, and hopefully you get some kind of attorney's fees. I don't know if you will or not, but this is where lawyers really screw with people, and it's a shame they do. Hi, Miriam. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Welcome. What can I do for you? I was involved in a accident around eight, ten weeks ago at Home Depot. Mm-hmm. What, and, what, and what kind of accident? What happened? I was standing in the middle of an aisleway looking at some sliding glass doors, and literally five doors started to tumble out. I went flying, hit the floor really, really hard, and ended up with five doors on top of me. Okay, uh, this one gets interesting. 
Uh, do we know why the five doors fell on you? Is it because they were uh, they were put in such a position negligently that they just fell on you? Did someone hit them? So I don't have a definite answer, except that I do know after the accident happened that there is something that they have that secures the door. Okay, okay. and now just I was just uh, curious. I mean, they they're they're responsible come hell or high water. And so, how badly were you hurt? So. Um, The worst is that my right hand has a definite injury. I can't put full force onto it. I don't know. They initially said that there's not a break, although I'm now doing some physical therapy, and I can't fully use that Okay, is it a sprain, or you think there's something neurological about it? Um, They're not sure yet. Okay, well... At this point, you get a personal injury lawyer. I know the up on the computer says should you should you go it alone. Absolutely not. Especially okay. if, especially if there's some neurological damage, you cannot do it by yourself at all. And if you do it by yourself, all they're going to do is offer you. They're only going to you're going to they're going to offer you the medical costs, and that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And maybe right. maybe a hundred dollars on top of that. And then what do you do? Uh, then you're going to have to sue them anyway, Miriam. And then you're going to need a you're, you're definitely going to need a lawyer for that one, no matter what. And if you sue them in small claims court, uh, it's not going to help you at all because you have to claim, and this is what I get for pain and suffering. And small claims judges never give pain and suffering. It's just out of their league, and it should be uh, okay. because that's based on reading uh, reading the medical reports. I mean, it's just, yeah, you, you need a lawyer. Go, uh, do you have a, a personal injury lawyer? Um, I have a couple of names that I could go for. Okay. Definitely. Okay. You can do that. You can go to handleonthelaw.com. We have okay. uh, PI lawyers. You have a bunch of choices there. Uh, at least okay, you'll get a consultation, and then they'll tell you uh, they'll tell you what to do with it. Uh, and it goes going to their doctor, and there's a whole world. And if there is neurological damage, and Home Depot is uh, the defendant, yeehaw, there's some money there. And uh, it, what are they going to say? No, the doors did not fall on her, and we're not negligent. She shouldn't have been there. When the doors fell over, I mean, where's the defense, assuming that what she says is exactly what happened? Uh, Hello, Amanda. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, I have a quick question about reverse discrimination. Yes, ma'am. And um, I was working, got um, written up, got fired, um, me and my coworker doing the same errors. She didn't get written up or fired. And is it because my boss is Filipino and so is my coworker. Okay. And was it because of that? I don't know. Was it? I think so. Okay. <laughs> you think so. And your question is? Do I have a case? Well, uh, let's start with, uh, I'm going to make a couple assumptions, all right? And that okay. is, you're not real good at karaoke, right? No. See, that that's going to kill you every time when you have a Filipino boss. Every single right. time. All right. So... Uh, here's the problem you have, and that is if this is a single incident where your boss happens to be a Filipino and you were written up and the other Filipino uh, was not, how many non-Filipinos are in your division, your department, uh, that the bo- that the Filipino boss deals with? There's just five of us. Okay, and how many are Filipino? Two. Two out of five. Now, as far as... One write-up. Are you arguing that this was one incident in which you were written up and the other Filipino was not written up? Correct. And that's one incident? 
one incident, and then I was terminated in the second mistake, and she made the same mistake. Uh, yeah, Amanda, it's it's not going to go any place. It's uh, it re- no 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 lawyer will touch it. You're not going to get any money. Uh, you're going to have your boss say that's not why we fired her. The fact that she was Filipino really didn't matter. And I just did. And as far as I'm concerned, it was a mistake that you you should have known more than the other person. I mean, they'll come up with something uh, yeah. because you have to have a pattern. Believe me. And the and the law is really clear uh, that anybody can be fired for any reason. And there's not enough proof there that the reason you were fired is that you're not Filipino. Right. Yeah, okay. that's it. See, you're going to go no place on that. Learn karaoke. Go to those <laughs> bars. You. Yeah. You want to okay. sing. You want to sing peelings. That's big with them. Very big. Peelings. Nothing more than peelings. Hello, Philip. Yes. I was parked at a, at a light and a company truck hit my vehicle and another vehicle and totaled my vehicle. My insurance company paid for my vehicle, but now I'm without a vehicle. Uh, how can I be made whole or am I just off? Wait a sec. They, uh, wait a sec. They paid you for your vehicle and now you're without a vehicle. Correct. Philip, they gave you money for a vehicle. Did you spend it on anything else? No, they, no the vehicle was, the vehicle, they paid for the vehicle that was, that was making payments on. Ah, so you got it. So they pay that off. And how are, yeah, you're, and you, of course, did not have gap insurance, did you, Philip? Yeah, I had gap insurance. It paid for, it paid the gap. It's paid for the gap for the vehicle that, uh, for the difference in payments where we did have that gap insurance. But what about a replacement vehicle? Well, if gap insurance just covers uh, the difference between what you owe and what the car is worth. And so you're basically back at square one. Your car was paid off. You owe no more money. You get to go out and you get to buy a brand new car. That's what I need to know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're screwed. Yeah, it's uh, tough on that. You don't. They don't give you enough money to b- go out and buy another car. What they do is give you enough money to pay for the one that has been totaled. And Mike, or at least he had gap insurance. In the sense of, I mean, there are people, well, for example, let's say you finance a car for 72 months. And so you take a brand new car that costs $40,000. And so uh, your first month uh, is going to be a payment of $400,000, dollars $600. But, so you owe, theoretically, $40,000. You drive off the lot, the car is worth $10,000 less right there. The car is totaled. <clears throat> It's worth $10,000 less. So you get a check for $30,000 and you owe $10,000. That's why you want gap insurance that covers that. Hello, Mike. Mike, welcome to Handle on the Law. What can I do for you? Mike, you there? Yes, Bill. I have a question. Uh, Can you explain the difference between... Comparative negligence and contributory negligence. Sure. Uh, Comparative negligence depends on the state. And when you have uh, comparative negligence, it sounds exactly like the the term, where you compare one negligence to the other. And uh, and I'm trying to get maybe the two uh, confused, because I always do. But one says uh, that if you are 51% at fault, you're 100% at fault. In other words, all you have to do is make that threshold and then you're done. So, for example, even if you are negligent and you are suing, if the other party is over 50 percent negligent, 
In other words, if they compare the two, then he has to pay or she has to pay 100% of the damage. Comparative, uh, like California, literally just says if you are 51% responsible, then you pay 51% of the damage. And it's exactly the uh, the amount, the percentage that you are uh, guilty of or liable for. So, for example, if I hit you and the damages are $100,000, and I am held to 70% liability, then I only have to pay you 70% of $100,000. If it turns out in contributory negligence, if I'm at 50% or 60%, over 50%, I pay the whole amount. It depends on the state. Does that make sense? Yes, Bill. I, I was confused with the term, and I'm sure there were a lot of listeners that were confused with that term. Right. Also. So there it is. And uh, I'm confused, too, with the term. But uh, there's uh, there's that the rule of law works. It's just uh, I'm very bad at things like English. Donnie. Go ahead, Donnie. Yes. Oh, um, I have a probate question. My father recently died and he left the life estate to a uh, non-relative. She doesn't want to take advantage of that. And there are three heirs. We are the remainder. So my question is, if the person who is given the life estate does not want to live in the property or reap the uh, profits of it, what do we do? Well, I would have that person sign it right back and not agree to take it and just say, I'm not interested. Because if uh, she gets the life estate uh, and says, I'm not, I'm not going to live in it, she can next year or the year after that because... She has it for life. Yes. And that is, which is legitimate. Your dad can do that anytime he wants. And so get her to just sign it away. Pay her money if you can. If she's not interested. But why would no, Why would uh, she not be interested in getting the money at least? Well, no, no, she can't rent it. No, no, it could be if, if it depends on how the life estate is written. It could be she only has the right to live in the life estate. Well, this is in Arkansas, so their law is that she either rent it out or live in it. But oh. she, doesn't, she doesn't want to do either. Okay, then have her sign off on it. Sign off? Yeah, that's the easiest way. If she just says, I refuse to take it or I'm not interested, then I think uh, it goes that it never even existed. The life estate never existed, and it goes right through what the will says. Oh, okay. So then she can't like hang on to it forever. Yeah, she can. As long as she's alive, she can. Oh, okay. That's why you want her to sign off, or you want to kill her, one one or the other. <laughs> okay. I, why do people laugh when I say that? I, you know, they think it's hilarious. I, I mean it. You know, I go, go ahead. I mean, kill her. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have no case. All right, a story out of uh, Arizona. And uh, I remember covering this, and this was a guy who was just a real piece of work. And uh, what he did, uh, he was a uh, prisoner, and uh, he raped an Arizona prison teacher while she was teaching the class in prison. And uh, of course, and she, it was a brutal rape, too. And so uh, he got, uh, how many years in prison? Uh, he was uh, in uh, the first of a 30-year term for raping another woman uh, when he assaulted the teacher. So he's looking at jail for the rest of his life. 
And uh, so, and as a matter of fact, last year he was sentenced to life in prison. Uh, he pled guilty to raping the teacher because he has nowhere to go. So he's in for the rest of his life. But a lawsuit was filed by the woman against the prison, the state, and him, naming him as an individual. Well, uh, the state already has already settled with her for $3 million. It's, uh, that was fairly quick. Now, he doesn't even defend himself in the civil lawsuit against, uh, against uh, her uh, or defend himself, yeah, in the lawsuit that she filed. So uh, the judge effectively, well, did, ordered uh, him to pay $10 million in punitive damages and compensatory, da- uh, compensatory damages. And he figured, you know what? I don't have any money. I'm in prison for the rest of my life. It's not even worth it for me to go ahead and defend. But here is what makes this story kind of interesting. And that he's a member of the Tohono Odham tribe. He's a tribe member. And they operate several casinos. And so the judgment goes to, to the casino who, instead of paying him, have to, has to pay the young lady. Now, even though uh, in the past uh, the tribe has distributed money and good-sized money, the hasn't done so in the last few years because uh, it's it's difficult for Indian casinos to make a whole lot of money. But that's what makes it kind of uh, fun. And this is where it's there's a chance that she might get part of that $10 million. Uh, and that goes over the course of uh, probably 20 years. Uh, I don't know uh, what the statute is in Arizona. I know in California it's 10 years plus another 10 years. So it's... Um, you know, I hope she gets some money. And then immediately uh, after she was raped, they changed all the security at the prison. Uh, just had to redo the whole thing. All right, uh, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Hello, Sherman. Yes, Hi. yes, uh, yes, sir. Yeah, so I had a uh, housing question uh, regarding relocation benefits. Have I lost you, Sherman? No, I'm still here, Keith. Okay, you you had a question regarding relocation benefits. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, well, uh, this is actually for a uh, case that passed a week ago. Uh, I took my landlord to court. Uh, we had a situation in the apartment where the upstairs unit flooded water into our unit, completely destroyed the walls. We definitely had to be relocated. Uh, the local... Uh, Housing authority and not housing, and the code enforcement came out and they uh, red tagged the unit, and uh, we ha- were displaced. And unfortunately, our landlord decided that he didn't know us anything, including the deposit. So we ended up um, last week, and uh, I uh, mentioned the relocation health and safety code seventeen nine seventy five. You mentioned it to who? Relo- uh, to the, the the judge who... Uh, All right, you had sued for how much money, Sherman? Uh, I asked for the maximum amount, considering what this guy did to us. Okay, well, they're uh, not, they, I don't think the judge is going to give you that. If a small claims court, they don't ask, they don't add anything other than the exact out-of-pocket expenses. That's all a yeah. judge is going to give you. Uh, so, so uh, go ahead. Uh, and, and I agree. Um, one, one of the things that uh, I really, one of our bigger uh, items that we were asking for was the relocation benefits. And according to uh, Riverside County uh, and that law I stated earlier, uh, they uh, they uh, have to give. Yeah, uh, right. I get it. They do. They do have to give you whatever the costs are. That's part of your out-of-pocket damages. 
Well, she, she, she the, her argument, uh, the judge argument to us, um, she wasn't aware of the code either, so I don't know if she was going to make a decision later. But her argument to us was that uh, our, we, we paid uh, a certain amount that was way lower than the fair market value for the, uh, the unit in Riverside County. Uh, so she thought that was ludicrous that uh, we even would make a I don't mention know. of how much we wanted. I don't, yeah, well, it is. Uh, it is. Uh, what you're going to get is uh, the amount of damages that what you had to pay to be out of there and whatever the relocation fees are. And that's yeah, it. And that's all she's going to give you. I mean, that's a, the rest of it is you can argue the hassle and the pain and suffering. They don't hear that in small claims court. So how much yeah, are your out of pocket? How much are your out of pocket expenses? Uh, total, um, we ended up spending all of our, our savings that are not savings are all of our tax return on covering the cost of moving. And how much? Uh, about 5000 Okay, and then uh, the how much is the relocation under the court, under the statute? Uh, relocation is two times the fair market value, which comes up to about $2,360 Okay, so that's what you're asking for, and they're not going to give it to you forever. They're gonna, she's going to give you moving expenses and fair market for probably a month or two months. You're going to get pretty close. I, I, asked, I asked for two, and then yeah. um, there was also a statute. In All right, that. so what's your question, Sherman? Uh, well, number one, if she doesn't give me that amount, uh, do do I have a right to appeal? Yeah, like I, well, uh, yeah, but they're not. The, the appeals court isn't going to change uh, how she rules in terms of how much money you're given. Now, you can appeal the issue of how she ignored the statute and didn't pay attention to it. But don't even worry about that yet. I mean, if she does this and if she does that, it's way premature. Gee, if my grandmother or my grandfather, uh, she's not. Well, let's find out until she dies and do an autopsy. God, that was a stupid analogy, wasn't it? Huh. Bernice. Hello, Bernice. Uh, yes. A company by the name of Global Discoveries has called me and wants me to sign a contract giving them 30% to help me locate money that they have found. Okay. I want to know if... Are they obliged to tell me where the money is nope. coming from? Absolutely, absolutely, nope, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, they're okay. not obliged to tell you where they found the money, because if they tell you this is where we found the money, then you're going to go and get the money. Right. And what? So how are they going to make money? Right. Okay. However, uh, if there's found money out there, it's not that hard for you to find it. Okay. It's uh, there are a couple of websites. Uh, the uh, probably the money has already gone to the government, and the government is holding on to your money. Uh, if there is an account that you have not used for a given amount of time, the state has to turn or the bank has to turn the money over. Same thing with stocks. And so the only trick is you have to uh, go to uh, an organization. Here's one: uh, foundmoney.org. And this is not, they don't charge money. This is just where, it's a list of where you can find money that's in your name that the government is holding on to. Okay. Foundmoney.org. All right, fantastic. All right, good luck. And usually it's uh, small amounts of money. Although my brother uh, is, uh, I just got a notice of my brother, because he has my address, uh, or somehow they got my address from my brother, it's $4,000 hanging out there. And that's kind of neat. So we went ahead and uh, because he's lazier than hell, I had one of my staff people on his behalf send it out. And it's, uh, it's been three or four months and they're saying 
Yeah, you know, it could take up to six months. Okay, Kevin, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Handle. Yes. Hey, straight to the point, man. Is there statute limitations on child support? Sure, when the kid's 18. Okay. Because that's, when, that's when the child is no longer a child. Now, there can also be an extension if the kid is in school and the court can order support continuing on uh, during college, but usually not. Okay. My thing is, I raised my kids since they were two to four years old, and I put them through school and all that. They're in college now. But CEOs passed child support, but they're trying to tell me that since they're so old that she doesn't know it no more. No, that's not true. She owes you past child support, Kevin. Was there an order that uh, you were to be paid child support by your ex? Yeah, from Elkhart, Indiana. Okay, well, then you domesticate it. And uh, what you do is, and uh, you're probably going to need a family lawyer. How much does she owe you? Uh, $10,000. Yeah, it's probably, wor- it's pro- probably worth uh, getting a family lawyer because what you have to do is first domesticate uh, the judgment, sister, sister, uh, sister state judgment. And what you, I'm in California. Yeah, now. that's the whole point. That's what I'm saying. You take the judgment from Indiana and you domesticate it in California. You turn it into a California judgment and then you go against her. Okay, so family. Yeah, I would go to a family uh, uh, law attorney. Yeah, that's probably what I would do. Hello, Gil. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. What can I do for you? Uh, well, it's not for me, but for my best friend in San Bernardino. Dear Mr. Handle, what do you do when Social Security declares you dead and then doesn't do anything? And five years later, this poor man is struggling so hard, and I, I've tried everything myself. I, I ran into brick walls everywhere, talked to lawyers, talked to strangers. I, I've tried everything. And it's, it's, the thing is, there's 10,000 cases out there, thousands and thousands. Yeah, of and you're, all you can do, Gil, is go through Social Security. I mean, there's no other way of doing it. There are, you're right, there are thousands of cases out there where someone has been declared dead, which doesn't matter except that the, so, except the Social Security checks stop. That's the point. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I, there's no other way except to go through... Uh, except to go through Social Security and uh, and deal with it and just keep on writing and writing and writing and more and just uh, there's no other way around it. Uh, it's an administrative uh, uh, it's an uh, administrative part of the government and you have to go through the administrative process. Now I don't know if Social Security has an ombudsman that can help through. My guess is at this point no. Hmm. I'm just trying to think. And it doesn't help to walk in and go, hey, I'm not dead. And the clerk says, yes, you are. Right there. Look at paperwork. Hey, you're dead. Oh, no, no, no. You don't understand. I'm here in front of you. I'm alive. Oh, no, 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 you're dead. Uh, If you are alive, then you're a zombie. And you're walking through the door. Philip. Hello, Philip. Hi, how are you? Okay, what can I do for you? I have a... um a loan that was um, I just, I was just how long how long is it to, before i have to pay back a loan is there an expiration date no no a loan can go forever are you talking about the statute of limitations before someone yes, can sue yes, you yes, uh it was a credit card okay how long ago when did you make the last payment philip 
I haven't made any payments at all. When was the last? You never made a payment. Never made a payment. So I, how I, long have you had the credit card that you've used? Oh, I don't have the credit card. I got rid of it. How how much did you how much did you charge on that credit card? Uh, it was about five thousand dollars. And how long ago? When was the last charge made? How long uh, ago? Months? Years? Probably about uh, ten years ago. Oh, you're fine, Philip. Okay. Now uh, the question is: Is it's also the loan has been transferred from one company? To yeah, another? they always do, Philip. They always do. But the statute is—it's uh, you're way past the statute. Okay. All so you have to do if they call you, go. This is ten years ago. Yeah. Leave me alone. And then they're going to say, well, the law's changed, or you want to make a small payment. Uh, you don't. Well, originally it was at $5,000, and now they've agreed to accept $900. Well, then you're going to pay. Well, if they've agreed to in writing, you give them $900. But you don't yeah. have to. Philip, you don't have to. Okay. That's that's my question. You answered it, Bill. All right. And which you have to be very, very careful about those, too. Because if it's worded wrongly and you're not looking at the small print, that's $900 as against the amount that's owing, and all of a sudden the entire amount becomes due and payable because uh, making a payment on any kind of a contract reaffirms the debt. So, uh, Philip, you're far better off. Well, making sure it'd be nice for you to pay off the creditors, but, but the original creditor is so long gone, you're paying off someone who has bought that debt for two cents on the dollar. One cent on the dollar by now, 10 years later. Hello, Amelia. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Oh, thank you, Bill. Okay, a uh, quick question. I'm, I'm, I'm an old lady, um, senior in the 80s, and, and uh, I'm divorced. Okay. And I do help my ex-husband, uh, you know, different things. And he has uh, maybe a few thousand dollars in his check in the savings account at the bank. Okay, but but it's only in his name. Now, I'm, I'm trying to convince him to put somebody else on the name. You're like you, like you, Amelia. No, but I'm divorced. What, what Doesn't matter. He can put your name on it. No, no legal problem? No, no, no. Have him put your name on the account, Amelia. Okay. So and so then if he dies, uh, you can just go ahead. I mean, are, are kids around? Does he have children? Yeah, yeah. What, what if he says his sons and, you know, whatever he wants, but what if he insists me? I want to be sure that... Oh, that you can I'm give yourself... Here's what you do. I mean, uh, Amelia, no one's going to sue you for a few thousand dollars. Okay. And if you've been taking care of him, you, you simply tell uh, his kids, hey, you want to know something? I took care of your dad. And all I'm doing is reimbursing me for some of the costs well, that I made. Yeah. And I don't want the bank to end up with all that because I know they do that. And, and I Amelia, they're, they're, the money will all be gone. Yes. If your name is on the account, you can write a check out to yourself to okay. reimburse yourself for all the time and effort you spend taking care of your sick husband, yeah. a sick okay. ex. How much money is in are in those accounts, uh, well, maybe, Amelia? Uh, maybe ten thousand. Yeah, I don't think both of them chicken and savings. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, what's a family going to do? Sue you? And no, you're, no, no. They're, they're, to be on it or daughter that's fine with me all right then just then that's the easiest way amelia that's the easiest way to do it just put someone else's name on the account and then when as long as it can be matter of fact transfer the ownership of the account to a uh to both of you in other words it's either him and someone else so you both own the account and then there's no issue okay Uh, so i could put myself and one of my one of my daughters put yourself one of your daughter doesn't matter you know, oh, just as long me. as someone is alive to write checks, you know, upon his death. My mother, uh, I, I'm on my mother's account. 
And I fully, in, well, the problem is she's uh, she's going to live much farther than the money that's in the account. I had fully intended on just writing myself a check uh, when she popped off, but she won't. And she had a fair chunk of money. I mean, she's going right into her mid-90s. I mean, for God's sake. I thought there's lots of money that I'd be able to get. It's the reverse now. I'm paying her. Isn't that a great deal? Hello, Danette. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Um, About four months ago, Bill, I was attacked at a city park by a pit bull. Uh, I was uh, consequently taken to the hospital by paramedics and uh, had a rod put in my right femur that broke. Wow. And um, wow. had been uh, bedridden for two months. Yeah, you know, Danette, you can, Danette, you can, you can, you can stop right there. There, there is enough injury there that you can go all the way to the end on this one. Uh, Believe me, there's tons and tons of damages. The only, the only issue is, do you know who the owner of the pit bull is? No, that's the problem. Then what do you do? Who are you going to sue? Well, that was that's why I'm calling you yeah. is to find out if you think it's worth it for us to sue the city. No, no, no. How, ask- wait a sec. How is the city responsible if someone brings a pit bull? No, it's not because of that. It's because we had asked them to save camera surveillance videos. There are cameras all over that park. It's a, it's a brand-new, beautiful park. And um, they didn't save the... Yeah, that's a problem, though, Danette, because uh, their negligence had nothing to do with you being injured. So, it, it, so we can't... It wouldn't be... Uh, a viable excuse not a not a lawsuit against the city negligence? no because how are in other words uh how their negligence caused you to be injured correct no their right. negligence is causing us not to be able to right. find those people i get it but here's the, the problem number one finding the people doesn't mean they're necessarily responsible how do you know you're going to find those people how do you know that you're going to be able to recognize them find them what if they move See, these are all kinds of intervening acts. You can't, uh, here's, let's say you take the city to court. And, uh, and Danette, uh, how do, how, where are we going to find the person? Even if we give you uh, the, the address, what if they moved away? Do we still have to pay for it? Now I, just, I was just uh, looking at it from a different No, of course like you that. were. No, I get it. You just weren't, unfortunately, you weren't looking at it legally. Uh, but Danette, it's, it may still be worth trying to track down whoever owns it. Who owns the uh, the uh, pit bull? The pit bull. Yeah, and yeah, it may be worth it may be worth finding a private investigator. You know, you, you want to go to a personal injury lawyer anyway, Danette, because the injuries are so high that believe me, a PI attorney is going to look at it and may end up uh, hiring uh, a private investigator anyway. But yeah. the the problem is how much money does that person have? Number two, was there insurance? And chances are, if there was insurance, it doesn't cover pit bulls. Because right. now every insurance company, every single uh, homeowner's pos- uh, policy excludes pit bulls. Right. So what you have to do is go to a private. Uh, you have to go to a personal injury lawyer and figure out where you're going to where, where you're going to go with, when when he or she tells you where to go, which I don't think is much of any place. Go to handleonthelaw.com. We have plenty of PI lawyers there. See, what people think, here's your question, and it's legitimate if you don't look at it legally, and that is, 
the city has video that they lost. Therefore, they're responsible for the pit bull eating me. See, that's the problem. Hello, Mark. You're up. Yes, Welcome. Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, a question. Uh, I am employed by a small company. I get W-2 forms. Um, originally, with my employer, I agreed to get paid $25 per hour. A couple of months later, I noticed that paychecks have $40 an hour. My question is, if I don't say anything in the future, uh, probably accountant type or something, can they withhold the money uh, from future checks? Yeah, of course. Uh, they, yeah, uh, Mark, they're overpaying you. And uh, you you owe them the money. Now, what they should do is call you up and go, we want our money back. But they're allowed to withhold, I think, yes. Uh, but why don't, you, why don't you just pay them back, Mark? Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, they, they're entitled to it both legally and morally, Mark. Ah, so legally they can. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I love that. Can I keep the money? Uh, that's what uh, people always ask. Gee, they made a mistake. Can I keep the money? Yeah, of course you can. For example, if a decimal point is missed and all of a sudden you have an extra $100,000 in your account and you say to the bank, hey, it's your mistake. Oops, uh, it doesn't work that way. Not even close. Hello, Ken. Hello, Bill. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Well, I'm expecting a little bit of uh, the well-known handle verbal abuse, marginal advice. Excellent. Okay, what I've got. A year ago, my mom died. Age ninety nine plus ninety nine plus boy yeah that... she 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 only missed it by about three months that's that's impressive yeah, I'll agree to that our uh, I've got a sister three years younger than me uh, we've been been estranged since uh, nineteen eighty when she acted like a spoiled child okay but she's very good at that she's also very good at spending other men's money that's been that's in, oh, that's impressive story. too. Okay. Yeah, okay. So what I've got is, what's the statute of limitations on requesting uh, probate? Um, well, I, first uh, of all, okay, hold on. A few questions uh, in terms of requesting probate. Is there a will, Ken? I don't know. All right. So if you don't know there's a will and you're the only one that's sort of connected, uh, then it's uh, probably up to you to uh, start a probate, and you do it in uh, a, with an intestate probate, probate, which means that you're setting up a probate for your mom without a will. How much money are we talking about, Ken? Okay, we're talking a house in Van Nuys, which is probably worth about 500 k We're talking a beach house, which my mom and dad bought about 1960, which is three houses from the ocean. In Ventura. All right, so you're talking... Uh, we're, talking about, we're probably talking close to a million dollars. Yeah, probably. So uh, clearly you do have to open up a probate. And according to the law, you and your sister are to split the money. So okay. uh, here's what you have to do, because the rules are pretty stringent on this. And that okay. is, to, uh, first of all, you can get your half immediately. Mm-hmm. So you open probate, and there's your half million dollars. You sell the properties... Mm-hmm or rent the properties, doesn't matter, it's going to be your call, but I'm assuming you're going to sell the property so you don't have to deal with, uh, have to deal with being a landlord or any of that. Precisely. Okay, so uh, so let's say you have a million dollars now in uh, the account. Mm-hmm. You open up probate, and there you are. Well, you can't, uh, you have the houses when you open up the probate, right. and then you ask the court that what you're going to do is, first of all, you're going to be the executor uh, because there's no sister there to be found, and you are going to sell the property. Now, you have to make Every attempt 
to find your sister. I mean, every attempt. Okay. More than just, here's a newspaper ad, I'd hire a private investigator. So by the time uh, you say to the court, I don't know where my sister is, I have no idea, then what ends up happening is at least you've tried everything. Mm-hmm. Now, you have to call a probate attorney because I don't know if her issue gets her half of the money. And that's why you have to find out. For a million bucks, you definitely have to call a, uh, you definitely have to call a, uh, get hold of a probate attorney. And and I don't know if uh, you just keep the money because you're the only one left as if your sister didn't, uh, didn't live and she wasn't alive or it goes uh your half that half goes to her kids and that's the question you have to ask okay i didn't i wasn't clear uh she has no children she is married she lives about five miles further into west hills and okay but and you know where she is yeah i know okay then you have to then you have to bring her into it okay then you have no choice i wish to bring her in yeah then but you know there's not really a statute other than a reasonable time but you've got to open up a probate can i mean there's no question about it okay and sell the properties etc as you well know there's a lot of variables in the competency of uh attorneys who where do i start you can go to the web you can go to the website uh and these are uh competent attorneys and you're not going to really need a whole lot of well let me put that down the attorney will set up a uh, a probate an intestate uh, probate and they're all pretty good. Just ask and uh, just go to the website, ask around. Uh, you maybe call other people who have uh, had people die. Maybe go to your bank and ask for a referral. There's a bunch of different ways to go, and it's simply uh, doing as much due diligence, if you were will, as possible. Hello, Betty. Hello. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Uh, listen, I have a um, all my assets are in a trust, family trust. Yeah. And I have uh, three children. Yeah. And um, if 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 one if something happens to I have a boy and two girls. Yeah. If, if something happens to my boy, would his wife, his second wife, inherit? No. His... No. Oh. What happens is uh, I'm assuming that the trust is written. If something happens to one of the children, then the other two kids uh, just get the the money is split between the other two kids. Oh. Yeah, you have to look it up. But no, there's no inheritance. If something happens uh, to him, it's his separate property. Unless he dies before the trust is distributed, then it just goes back in the trust. And you can do a bunch of things that his share goes to charity or his share goes to the other one. The trust that uh, Marjorie and I wrote on behalf of our kids is if one of them dies, the other one gets it. All right. Okay. All right. right. Yeah, which means that they're one of them going to kill the other one. You know, we set it up to where not only do they hate each other, they have to be very, very careful when going to Thanksgiving dinners at our house. This is Handle on the Law.